Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The world's longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. And welcome along to a live show, special live show. It's Midweek Motorsport uh, Series 10. Uh, I think we're on episode 3 now, if memory serves right. And I am looking down on Daytona International Speedway, where the Ferrari Challenge practice has just come to a halt with uh, 15 minutes uh, of the session gone, just over half an hour still to go. And there's a red flag on the racetrack. And that's because we're getting ready to launch uh, our brand new service, IMSA Radio, tomorrow at uh, quarter past nine here in the US. Uh, the reason for the stoppage, I can tell you, is that the International Horseshoe has got a car where it shouldn't be, i.e. on the grass and in the barriers and not on the black stuff, turning right to head on to the infield through that brilliantly quick kink section down to my far right. Uh, up in London, because he is still up in London, is Tim Gray. Hello, Tim. Hello, John. And on a packed programme tonight, we have what? Uh, we have uh, lots of uh, u- usual for 2015 features. Okay. And I believe uh, you might have some guests for us. Uh, yes, we're going to have. We've got a rolling guest policy here. Um, uh, on do you have a ramp for that, or are you trying to l- do it? Literally, on yes, ground? exactly. We nearly did because Joe Bradley, who's down the bottom, nearly fell down the stairs into the studio. That has nothing to do with the stairs, more like my stiff knees. Mm, and uh, slightly closer to me, but still on my left, uh, that would be geographically, certainly not politically, uh, <laughs> is Jim Roller. <laughs> I'm probably pretty left of you, <laughs> as well. I would suspect. Good, you, uh, you and Shea were the, here for the us at the uh, the roar, of course. Um, already beginning to see that the the atmosphere for the week is ramping up. Very much so. It's all the folks are back, but they have much more intensity. They're walking. They're they're we're more with purpose. Greg Definitely Kramer is here. Purpose. We'll have a chat with him. Shea's here. Johnny's here, and Paul Trustwell's here. Uh, as well, so they'll be popping in uh, through the show. Can I just ask, um, how big is this commentary box? It appears to have nine people in it. Um, it's two stories. It's uh, it's a maisonette, actually. It's what I've seen council houses in Washington Newtown that aren't as big as this. I, I think, actually, given that this is uh, the booth where Barney Hall and the guys call the Daytona 500 from on MRN, with your rolling guest plan, you mm-hmm. should do it the same way MRN does. Take a breath, lose your turn. We, we have a green room. Yes, yes, we we the green room. Yeah, the well, it was green floor. after you left it. Yeah, well, it was a little <laughs> green. Um, it could well turn blue, actually. Um, we've got a, uh, an area where we can easily see four people on the glass mm-hmm. looking out uh, over the pit John, lane. John, we tri- could see 17 people across the glass. No. No. Shoulder. We'd be very... We'd be, we'd be snug. And yeah, then it would be horrible. Up two <laughs> short flights of stairs, but a good... 
12 feet above us, mm -hmm. I would I think. Like to jump it. I wouldn't like to jump that. We have Paul Trusswell, Shea and uh, Johnny who are sitting up on the on the higher level at the moment. The mezzanine. They're on a higher plane. <laughs> the mezzanine, mm. yes. Mm. And speaking of higher planes, our Formula One correspondent has, uh, has just come back from cleaning his chakra. Uh, Nick Damon is back from Goa. How are you? On to all. <laughs> oh, good to have you back, mate. How was your week? It was fantastic. Had a lovely time. It was. Uh, it was. Thank you very much for the the fun and games in uh, Dubai and um, before and after. And then we went off and did the the complete opposite. You know, the the the, the money and the glitz of Dubai to the uh, the very much more uh, down to earth glory of Goa. It was great. Fantastic. Come back. And it was, I, I walked out of the terminal five. And it was minus two. Fabulous. And did you enjoy your seats on the way back? Uh, Rachel wants to say thank you for those. She was very impressed by that. Okay, okay, very good. Um, so Nick is here, so does that mean that when you play the jingle, we're going to have some Formula One news? I'm just to say they got seats on the way home. Yeah, they got all seats. Not, not, uh, listen, we not with Air India, obviously. No, no, they were chicken uh, no, no, class Air in India Air India. Do not knock Air India. Air India is a fantastic experience. Everybody needs to fly Air India. It's brilliant. Just the once, though. No, just I love it every once. time. It's fantastic. They throw the booze at you, literally. <laughs> Do you have to... Is it good to take sort of like a, a lacrosse stick with you so you can catch the can of beer as it An goes I'm well, I'd have thought if they take the lids off first. Well, in a, in a three-hour flight, they'll give you at least three beers, and most of the guys were taking two at a time, so they had six beers. But then you need five of them to put out the fire of the curry because the, 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 uh, the, the in-flight meals are what you would expect from an in-flight meal for Air India. It's either vegetable curry or meat curry. And it's either hot or blooming hot. Um, at Specutainment, at Radio Le Mans, or at IMSA Radio as well on Twitter uh, this evening because we're getting ready to start that service. As a bit of a test, we are running on IMSA Radio tonight. Well, we had to when we're at the home of American sports car racing now, Daytona. And remember, just uh, just over a month ago, five weeks ago, I think it was, we were broadcasting from one of the meeting rooms at the, uh, the offices of... Uh, IMSA, which is just, uh, I guess, about three or 400 metres behind me as the crow's fl crow flies. And we talked about all of the uh, all of the development work that is going on towards the Daytona Rising project. And I can see the difference in six weeks. Joe, you were here uh, a little bit earlier on uh, on in the year. And it's, it's I mean, the, the pace of improvement here is remarkable. I was here mid-November, wasn't I? Mm. And um, you described and sent pictures that were massively different to when... Yeah, and you were here with, with me as well, Jim. Massively different to when we were here in November, and even more so now. It's like a growing organism, isn't it? It's, a, it, it's an absolutely amazing sight to see the level, the height of these grandstands that are alongside us. It's I, amazing. I'm stunned to see what they've done in the last 10 days since Shay and I were here for the roar. <laughs> I never in a million years thought they'd have that many seats in by time. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, it's unbelievable. And if, if you Good on them. I mean, that's fantastic. If you haven't seen it, go online and look up Daytona Rising. I've been here for almost 25 years. I've been here three times since November. <laughs> <laughs> Where we are is the old press booth on the and the control tower on driver's left through the tri-oval. Tri literally... I think Joe is actually on the checker. Mm. If you move slightly to his left, he would be not on quite, the line of the not checker. Not quite. Um, and the great thing about what they're doing here is they're building around us. <laughs> because this press box will be used for one more day, this event, then one more Tatona 500, and then it's getting knocked down. 
But the way they've built around it means they can put, they can almost drop the new structure in. And what they're doing is they're actually going to cut this into three pieces, and they've got some one only in the world crane coming in, and it's going to lift the like structure big, like that big we are in. Up, like big Lego block, block. Yeah, up and out, and then they'll. Yeah, it's huge. So they're huge. actually going to lift what? Surely they're going to knock down the, in, the kind some of, of infrastructure and so, then some lift of out it, the steelwork. No, no, just going to lift it. Just like steel. a. Like you would, like, with a caravan or something. Mm-hmm. Yes. Going to cut it off at the bottom and lift yep. it out. Yep. It's remarkable what's going on. So we will be the penultimate broadcast team to use these August facilities. We were about, what, 100 yards, no, 50 yards to my right when we did it here in 2012, the first time that the Daytona uh, 24 hours had been broadcast in its entirety. Uh, uh, and we had a great time. Uh, doing that, we are now in the what it has been, as, as Jim said, down the years, has been the the main radio booth, and you, I, I have to say, I'm getting a few goosebumps here, Jim, because the, the 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 race calls that have come out of here down through the years are legendary. Perfect word. They are the the stuff of legend, and they are history. They are an archive. They are a living, breathing memory of every great moment that's happened here in what was coined by Ken Squire, the great American race, and that being the Daytona 500. And it is an absolutely fantastic method that the MRN uses to cover stock car racing. It's just, it's wonderful. And it's the soundtrack that goes with stock car racing in America, without a doubt. It's something I have to tick off. Um, I've been and seen stock car racing here. I came, um, I came with Declan and his brothers, actually. Uh, a few years ago and then uh, and I've been a couple of times since and seeing stock cars at Daytona is very very special I need uh, to do that have you not done it? no oh, oh, I've, I've done, done it. it I need mm-hmm. to do a NASCAR I did the, uh, I did the here or Talladega either one mm-hmm. and Bristol for the night race well oh, yes yeah. This, oh, yeah, yeah this morning when we came in we parked well, for sheer out- speed mm. these two. We, we parked outside and we came into the speed ball if you like it was Johnny Palmer's First visit to not just to Daytona but to the US, and it was one of I those think the statue eliminations have run out on that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, on that yeah, they allowed now. him in clearly. Yeah. Um, but the, the hairs on the back of my arms stood up as I oh. came in, and and it's this is a place I've been to, you know, mm-hmm. a few times now. But I think when that stops happening, I think that's the sign. Stop, stop coming, man. Stop it. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, I always do that. Every, Go sell shoes. Every racetrack I visit, when I come under that you into got that those gateway. Yeah, um, it was just kind of a overwhelming feeling. I've still got, I still have got it in me that I, I want to do a call of a stock car race. I, I, yeah, I, I think it's something we should do. Your head would explode. Of course, it would. My head explodes w- watching six cars in the three hundred and sixty. Why, yeah, exactly. why don't we just do the Daytona five hundred from from your place or something? I think I think there might be some rights <laughs> issues with <laughs> that. But I love your boy. You said what? Just for ourselves? Yeah. If we did it for ourselves, it'd be fine. Hind off. That's what we do when we oh, sit in your living room. It's true enough. You're listening to Midweek Motorsport. <laughs> it's uh, just after ten past eight in the UK, ten past three here in Florida, as the uh, second practice for the Ferraris has just got back underway, uh, having had. Uh, I think it was Al Hegel's car that was uh, pulled out of the wall, the the number 78 car, just uh, down to uh, the international uh, hairpin. Uh, and Tim Gray is up in London. What you got for us, Tim? All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. We're going to start with some Formula One news. 
he says. Right. Uh, and uh, I got an email yesterday. <laughs> Nick James just Apple. Just one? Just, just the one? <laughs> what, and, one. And, did you, and have you given Prince Najugo £10 million to get his money? It wasn't one of those. Um, um just to say, Nick Damon, our Formula One correspondent, is with us. Uh, Nick, Hello. this uh, email started, Dear Media Partner. Ah, that's good. You've got a relationship already, that's good yeah. news. Thank you for choosing to attend the Sahara Force India 2015 team launch. And that, you did you say you were going? That, that puzzled me, because I didn't think I'd agreed to go to their launch. In fact, I didn't even think I'd had an invitation to their launch. So I thought, oh, I'm going to the Force India launch. Well, their factory's not far away. Uh, so I'll be able to do that. When is it? It will take place on Wednesday, the 21st of January, 2015, at 9am. Hmm. That's tomorrow, because obviously I got this yesterday. Might not be able to make that anymore. I'm busy in the morning. I said, at the Museo Sonaya in Mexico City. Definitely not going to make that then. Bit difficult, yeah. I would have thought. Mm. But thanks for the invitation. I, I, do you ever feel like an afterthought? Clearly. <laughs> Do you think there were some spare, um, some spare places there, and they just thought, "We'll just send out to anybody and see what we can do." I think they forgot to press send. No, no one knew about it apart from, apart from the Mexicans, probably. Uh, that's not true because I know uh, one of my friends is actually in Mexico. I'm not sure whether he went on a holiday to see the Aztecs or whether um, whether he was there for the Formula One launch or not. But uh, well, it wasn't really a launch; it was just a livery launch, wasn't it? It wasn't even a car; it was just a paint job. Yes. It was a paint job, and it was a special celebration saying, Thank you, uh, Checo Perez, for all your cash. Uh, and obviously, <laughs> Telmex and Telmob and uh, whoever uh, else. NEC apparently is on there because of a, a contra deal with the Mexicans as well. Uh, who else's car have we seen today, or livery have we seen today? Williams. Williams. What do we think of their car? Um, it's a relative. I've only seen a low res rendering, and it's it's got a kind of a um, slightly uh, less silly nose. Still not attractive, and it looks very much the sort of thing you stick in a, in a magazine to get some exclusive coverage, and doesn't show anything that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Do you the... not? I'm sorry, Go but on. I miss the proper launch seasons. Where are the Spice Girls at the O2? Where, where are Dar- Spice where... Girls were at Ali Pali, mate. I was there. That was uh, Spice Girls and Jamiroquai for McLaren. Exactly. Well, where is the time when you, know, you could be taken to Valencia by McLaren, everyone got a, got a free mobile phone and one hack, one of Mercedes? What's happened to those sort of days? You know, when you, you I mean, I got flown. You, you got flown to a to a uh, an airport in Amsterdam, didn't you, for a Renault launch, John? Um, no, I was I was flown to Amsterdam and then bussed to a warehouse ah. for a Renault launch. And they didn't even give me a press kit because they said, why don't you just download it when you get home? <gasps> right, you see, I got a free hat from, from Sauber. You, you got, did you get the mobile phone as well? No, no I mobile phone, phone, no. You didn't go I to that I missed out one. on that because the mobile phone was um, the previous evening and then everyone went from the McLaren launch uh, to the That's BMW right. launch I went to and they had already had a phone though uh, yes um, who hasn't launched yet well, well the other nine t- oh, eight teams Everybody, or nine or ten yeah. depending how many people actually turn up uh, who's going to be last to launch of the big teams 
last of the big team. Well, Force India have launched this and they've said they're not going to make the first test. So they're going to be last of the medium teams. I thought all the rest of the teams are basically going to roll the cars out either the day before or two days before the first test at um, is it Hareth, isn't it, I think? It is at Hareth. Uh, Ferrari have said uh, they're running behind schedule. And we are now wearing our international Italian not-surprise face. Mm. Uh, Toro Rosso. Yes. Uh, they are on schedule to launch at Hareth uh, on the 31st of January, I think it is. Yeah, that's when most people are, are, are unveiling the cars. It's not the same. We need pop stars. We need pointless giveaways. We need, you know, some glitz and some glamour. Not a kind of a, open the garage, roll the car out, take some pictures, go testing. It's so dull. Why is this a special year for Toro Rosso? Because they've got the youngest ever driver. And two new drivers. Apart from that. Uh, they're not going to be as far off as before. I no idea what I can't think anything that's particularly special about the youth of their drivers inexperience. They've got a new logo. Really? Oh, yes. My goodness. To celebrate their tenth birthday, they've got a new logo. They've been going ten years. It surprised me as well. Blimey! They've sent out a uh, press release with some facts about their first ten years. I think right, Blimey none. Charlie is the uh, is the correct. Uh, is it okay? They unbelievable. They've so far had eleven race drivers. Yep, can we name them all? The majority of them made their Rather Formula One not. debuts with Toro Rosso. Let me think. Who we got? Uh, Those drivers came from three different continents. Can you name them? Well, America, mm-hmm. Europe, and Australasia. Australasia, yes. Uh, Toro Rosso drivers have covered eighty-three thousand and thirty-four racing kilometers. Right. That's the equivalent of two laps of the planet. Yeah, but they wouldn't have qualified for the planet. No. Uh, in all-time total distance for constructors, they are 20th. What? Yes. In just 10 years, they've covered a, enough kilometres to be 20th in all-time distance. Well, I think, you know, if we're really honest about this, how many teams have lasted as a, a unit for more than 10 years anyway? Mm, that's true. That's true. And Red Bull the 19th. Well, also, if you think about it, well, they start the same year, but also if you think about it, these days, with the reliability of more races, you do more, more kilometres in the season anyway. And they've had three different types of engine. Right. Uh, a V10, a V8, and a V6. Mm-hmm. From how many manufacturers? Three different engine manufacturers. There you go. Renault, Ferrari. Ferrari, and Cosworth. Can't help thinking, chaps, that we're giving them far too much. Three different tyre companies. Really? Can't think. Bridgestone, yeah, fair enough, yeah. Yeah, but they, talk, they haven't had any choice in that. No. I think or indeed in the engine configuration. No. I can't help thinking we're giving them far too much coverage for somebody who Nick um, has, down through the years, thought was completely pointless until quite recently. Uh, this last year. <laughs> yes. Indeed, indeed. Well, they found it, they on. found Danny Ricardo, and they, um, they didn't find, gave what, a bit. Look, what's, they didn't find Danny Ricardo. Well, no, they, 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 they. It's not paid. like they stumbled across him destitute on the street selling the big issue. Well, it wasn't yeah. like his Formula Three, so maybe. I no, think, no, like, I think that Toro Rosso can claim Ricardo, but they can't claim Vettel. No, BMW Sauber can claim Vettel. That's right. What about Kvyat? Oh yeah, good point. Yeah, I give you a Yep, yep, yep. But we don't really know how good he is yet. So carry on. But then the rest of it. But then, you know, in fairness, the, the people they threw away aren't that bad, with the exception of Scott Speed, who is that bad. 
Jim was about to... And he's uh, probably there. Jim, Jim was about to uh, interject oh. there, but then... I, I, I have a great Scott Speed story. Okay. good friend of mine in Charlotte runs an ARCA team, and when Scott made the switch, they went to a test at Talladega, and Scott shows up at the car the first time to get in, and he's just standing there looking around. Doesn't have his helmet, doesn't have his driving gloves, anything else like that. My buddy goes over and says, Scott, this is stock car racing. Pardon my language. We bring our own shit here. <laughs> Well, he was waiting for someone to bring his helmet and gloves. Yes. Get out of yes. town. Yes. <laughs> what can I? Did Did Nick just say Kvyat hasn't proved himself? Yes. Because he hasn't done anything in the big team yet. I think Joe, he's proved himself. He's only proved yeah. himself to be sort of as good as Jean Eric Verne. Yeah, but well, but is gosh, it used to be back in the old days, and it may not be this way now. But it used to be if you took a tub of goo and made it look relatively quick that was considered kind of proving yourself in the car uh, you see well, you, yeah, you, you obviously between you have much more generous standards than I do yes I, I think Minardi Nick, Nick wants done people okay to uh, win years. races Min- basically it's Minardi isn't it it, 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 it was it Minardi is. It, it is it is. I like it's to exactly think of Minardi. them still as Minardi's I still think of of the team from Milton Keynes as Jaguar it's Minardi it's Minardi well, with cash so we, you should think of them as Stuart well, no, yeah, it's true. Stuart. Well, Mercedes is still Bennett, uh, Tolman, isn't it? Tyrrell. So Mercedes was Tyrrell. Mercedes. So who's Tolman now? Uh, uh, Renault. Lotus. 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 Lotus, yeah. Are they? Right. And we have some Lotus news. We do. They've signed a test driver. Yeah. Mm. Did you see the, the tweet from, <laughs> not from him, but from <laughs> Renault? Uh, from, from Lotus, sorry. Yes, we haven't bought you a present, but we've given you a drive. Mm. Yeah, and I that think, one. given... You know, drive? That's a really mm, interesting concept, the word give, isn't it? That, that's the ultimate sort of Indian giving, isn't it? Where effectively you just give it, oh, no, what you you give me money and we'll pretend something. No, it's not. Indian giving is giving and taking back. Well, that's probably uh, they've, given a bit, they've given him a bit of money and taken a lot more back from him. Yeah, well, they've not given him the drive. I'm sure there's money changed hands. We're talking about, of course, uh, Joe Pal, Julian mm. Palmer. Uh, the uh, is GP2 winner last year? Champion, champion. yes. yes. Yeah. Champion. Much yeah. to everyone's surprise, we're honest. Um, well, he's, been in, he's been in there long enough to have got the hang of it by now, though, hasn't he, in fairness? Mm. Um, so an, a, 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 big, a big Twitter conversation, Nick, about whether he is doing his career any good by staying, um, being in Formula 1, in the paddock at least, maybe getting some drives as the quote-unquote third driver standing at the back in the team shirt with the headset on obviously on race day or mm. whether he would have been better served by going out into the big wide world and actually doing some racing uh, I am very much of the slot B feeling um, the point of a test driver uh, died when in-season testing stopped um, you know, t- 15 years ago, when the big teams were testing non-stop, you know, people like Gary Paffitt did more miles than the race drivers. Um, yes. You know. Oh, considerably. Palmer, Palmer you know, it's, it's, it remains to be seen whether he'll get to do any Friday mornings. Um, you know, they said he will do some Friday mornings. Has he got enough... Obviously, he's got enough now points for his super licence, but if he mm-hmm. doesn't race this season, Tim, then... It, He'll he, still have enough points. Three yeah, years. How far does he drop three years. back? He's got three right. years. Last three years points, so he'll get points. He, he can race for the next... He's he got not race for the next couple of seasons. Yes. Yeah. 
And anyway, the FIA did a huge backtrack and said there'd be force majeure, so the whole thing's pointless anyway. There was a very funny... Um... <laughs> you cut out, just as you said, the word before pointless, and it could have been construed as you seeing something very rude indeed. No, I didn't know. I'm sure I it wasn't. I thought that was internet... Uh, uh, the censorship. internet censorship of you <laughs> doing it automatically uh, from your your generic uh, computer style device. There is a funny. there is a very funny um, uh, piece uh, going around on social media of uh, Formula E uh, points requirements, and mm. you get thirty five points for uh, being a retired Formula One driver, and you get. 15 points for having a beard and 20 points oh, for being is. 20 points for being French um, yeah. and 40 points for being a woman how many yep, points did you get for having a drug habit doesn't mention moving that moving on move straight on from that so uh, so so Jolly and Palmer then Joe Pal has got himself a third driver gig yes at, at, now we don't uh, know whether there's anything Lotus. to stop him from racing uh, as well somewhere else well, somebody said to me you you know because I said hmm a season of spectating then mostly for him expensive and somebody said you're going to look really silly if he gets a full time LMP1 drive this year I said I'll, honestly I'll take being that silly because I think he could do a pretty good job in P1 and I think it wouldn't do him any harm to continue to drive a lot of people have been very sceptical about well you know does he want to just be able to say oh I'm an F1 driver because he's standing in the paddock as the that Ferrari's rear wing is not as it came out of Maranello the red one down there and my, my guess John is, is that he the black and is still one. obsessed with the F1 dream which is fair enough and yeah. has probably decided in consultation with his dad that if he doesn't keep himself on the ladder um, this year he doesn't have a big enough profile even being a GP2 champion to come back after a year away so yeah. They're kind of throwing the dice on this one. It would make a huge amount of sense. He rolled it in with a racing program. He won't be able to do Indy now because there's too much clashing. So a WEC program is really the only one which could give him any uh, extra kudos. And who knows where that would be. I'm sure that a number of teams would after testing him to make sure he has the requisite uh, confidence to go for it. He's our current GP2 champion. And the sport is in a sorry state that that GP2 champion can't... Uh, jump into a Formula One seat, but we've we've waxed lyrical for a long time now about that. So I'm not going to say that. All I'll say is, <laughs> if he was your kid, yes. and you, you had the money to do what Jonathan Palmer has done for his kid, I mean, won the GP2 championship. Yes. He's proved himself as a race driver in a very very competitive series. You would do exactly the same. You would you would you would facilitate and enable your kid's career to continue towards Formula One, which is his ultimate ambition. Is he a better mm. driver than his dad? Um, um, that's a very good question. Does he deserve um, a Formula One seat more than his dad did? I Different think days. I don't. I don't I, think you can. I, I don't th- think. I think he, he deserves a Formula One seat because he won the GP2 championship. Well, his dad won the Formula and Two. Yes, I know. And his dad and his dad deserved a, a, a Formula One drive. And his dad, by his own admission, realised. Mm, I'm maybe not as quick as I thought when when Alessi jumped in the Tyrrell uh, alongside mm. him. And that brought, you know, and some drivers are super quick. Some drivers are, are a Gilles Villeneuve or a Jean Alessi. Not necessarily world champion uh, 
not 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 necessarily got the, the the qualities to be a world champion, but certainly very very quick Formula One drivers. And I think you could say that Julian Palmer, without a doubt, you know, the problem the is line is he's a GP two champion. And the, the problem is, given p- particularly what we were talking about last week about amassing points to get your super license and. GP2, GP3, F2 are all weighted heav- more heavily than everything else. If if you are going to have to do that to have any chance of getting your license and then you get the license but you don't progress your career, it kind of looks like an expensive way just to throw money into a big hole in the ground, doesn't it? But it's, it's an unfortunate state. I mean, right here this weekend, there are a lot of drivers, gold-rated drivers, who can't get seats because they are gold-rated drivers. Uh, this is something for Nick. Um, he's tweeted, at IMSA Radio, well done, and at Specutainment. Do test drivers, Nick, get to keep their headphones? That's the question that he wants to know. I'm really afraid not. All that, that I'm not sure whether they get to keep their bit from the dinotape machine, which says you know, Jerry or Jolly, or whatever he's going to be called. Um, but that'd be dual pal. I've told you it's dual pal, isn't it? And you'll and also obviously get a lovely lot of team wear and um, a chance to. I don't know. You know, he's. He, I'll get a watch, I won't he? I don't think he's that special that he can get through without the huge amount of cash, and that's the problem. He's not. He's not in the correct um, youth scheme, and he is quite old now, twenty-four. Which is everything to say. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a throw of the dice. Um, you know, he's with Lotus. Neither of those drivers are going anywhere during the season because the one who's under, under who might be under pressure for underperformance is bringing all the cash. So he's, so he's not going to get replaced mid-season. Um, so, I don't know. It's, it's, it's an interesting decision. Al- Hopefully he gets it Nick, wet. Al- Nick, Alfred Wallace, who's at Cadpig, has tweeted uh, at Specutainment and at Radio Le Mans uh, and said, uh, and at RC Racing, actually, he said, so effectively, should there be a newcomer's team that has to take the GP2 winner well the, the no, only way you're going to get that is three cars isn't it exactly the three car argument suddenly you start to have I'm sure there's an, an ability that the FIA would put down if three cars turned up to control it, in some way mitigate the third drive you know no more than 50 Grand Prix starts or something or you know no more than 32 whatever two seasons is to, to do that because I think they, they see the it's it's good to have a, a turnover. It keeps the interest in. It obviously brings in new new sponsors and new countries as their their drivers uh, are incorporated into the circus. But when you currently have so few drives available and so much expense going, you know, you can, in a way, you can you can, you can see why the teams really don't want to start, you know, splurging on talent, young talent. Sorry, the only team that's prepared to do it is the only official junior team. Are mm. you uh, listening to Midweek Motorsport? It's uh, Series Ten. Episode 3, and it's exactly half past the hour. Uh, the Ferraris have uh, finished their practice. There should be a checkered flag down in front of me. Yes, there is. Uh, and uh, Ricardo Perez in the number one car has the fastest time, 149.6, ahead of Emmanuel Anassis in the 777. Now, is that a 777 ER, the wide bodied one? I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Doug Patterson in third, Scott Tucker in fourth position, and those top five are all 458 TPs and the TP amateur class is uh, head by Mark Muzo, uh in the 13 car with a 150.6 Joe hello I'm not hearing you for some reason no is anyone else uh, okay. try again now, now you are yes uh, I just want to say uh, Perez is the current champion ah 
Ferrari. You didn't know that. You were told no, that. She has told me that yes. actually. Quite, yeah, quite. <laughs> I've got the headset. Let's move we're on. We're a team. We're a team. Let's m- let's move on. What do you got next for us, too? So Julian Palmer may be uh, racing somewhere else as well as his uh, new Formula One job. Uh, but someone do who's you know that, Tim, or are you speculating? I'm just using it as a link into the next story, John. Stop oh, interrupting. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> but someone else who's got a new job in Formula 1 definitely won't be racing elsewhere this season uh, I, I lost the the intro to that with your row so uh, you'll have to help me out well, um, well if he's racing in Formula 1 not anywhere else and he's got a new job I mean that could be a number of people um, Sebastian Vettel his uh, name begins with F and he's Spanish Fernando Alonso yes not allowed to be at Le Mans apparently because Honda said no. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's the rumor, or the I don't know whether it's, it's a rumor story. Or story. They're not there. He was I going to race. Nor is he. He was going to run with Porsche apparently. In the P1 car. Apparently. Hmm. It is what he told us in fairness. Um. Bless you, whoever that was. Um. <laughs> Okay, so Honda aren't there, so if we're not there, you're not going to play. Yeah, um, I think, I'm I think not it's sure. kind of okay. You can see there's HPDs. Eh? They, mm. they don't want him to get hurt. And it's not just that. Why would you let him? You know, Honda now with the NX, NSX have got a mm-hmm. car that competes in the, for showroom in the showroom stakes with Porsche. Why would you let Alonso go and race for one of your for one of your potential competitors? Except, of course, that he would be gaining. Uh, some knowledge of what a current LMP1 car would be like to help them develop their car that they perhaps aren't doing. Let's not forget, let's not forget, guys, the hybrid technology on LMP1 cars is very similar to F1 cars. Yeah, we've had this He could have learned a lot. Mm. I personally think it's down to, you know, physical hurt. Mm. Okay. Nick? I also think, think that it's... Uh, sorry, I'm not Nick, I'm Tim, but I'm <laughs> going to make my point anyway. I also think that you you made the right point there, John, that uh, if he races for Porsche at Le Mans, then every Porsche showroom in the world is going to have a life-size car cut out of Fernando Alonso in their showroom. Very good point. Very good point. Um, Go on, okay. that, that, that could be... Uh, image rights could easily be uh, negotiated away. It's just, mm. it's just a basic... Not, but remember how... Just remember, though, Nick, how um, panitic, panickety Red Bull were about letting Mark Webber go to do other stuff, even though it's not, you know, a, a not a direct competitor at the moment. Although Red Bull are going to start building streetcars, of course, um, they he, he couldn't even talk about it. No, he couldn't say the p word. He couldn't say the p word. Say the p word, and when. Um, you know, had he been caught filming promotional stuff before the end of that season, um, there would have been there would have there would have been hell on. There would have been hell on had he been caught firing cars round Silverstone. Allegedly, alleged firing cars round Silverstone. I said, had he been caught, there would have been hell on. Allegedly, firing cars round Silverstone. Even just allegedly, he yes, he was never yeah. caught, though, was he? No, no. Had he been? <laughs> he was not there to be caught. Uh, so, okay. So Fernando is only Formula One for 2015. Carry on. Uh, a bit of music. What's this story about? Don't let the sun go down on me. It's That's about not the changing the of timing of races. It is about the changing of timing of races. Yes. 
Is it five uh, of the races of Booth back in power? I was starting an hour earlier uh, local time due to the findings of the Jules Bianchi crash inquiry. Uh, so they don't want to uh, race when it's uh, starting to get dark anymore. Uh, well, so in fairness, what they've done is actually yeah, make their rules sensible because there is a now a maximum race time from green flag regardless of the amount of red flag in it. So once you've said go, you've got four hours. And some of the races, mm. it was dark before four hours is up. So now the rule is that the, you have to be able to complete the full four hours before before darkness falls, unless it's an official night race. This, this is a bit of a U-turn, though, in fairness, uh, because the move by Formula One to standardise their events meant that most races started at similar times. No, 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 this were is the reverse of that. When I, exactly, only... that's what I mean. This is a U-turn for them, yeah. Well, it's a halfway. When I was running... When I was um, first... When you were F1, running F1, 96, yes. Half the U-turn is actually J-turn. <laughs> Most of the races would start at the same time, which is one o'clock in the afternoon, um, with only European an hour variation each way. But now, obviously, there was, they, they suddenly shifted them, what, about six years ago. So they were very much in the sweet spot for Europe, which meant doing stupid things like sticking Malaysia right into when it was going to be uh, most likely to have a downpour in Japan. So Australia, where it was, it was getting dark by the end of the race, and drivers couldn't see because of low sun. Mm-hmm. Um, just in front of us here, just uh, letting you know that the Ferraris are being cleared from the pit lane and driving the wrong way down the pit lane, which always makes me slightly scared. And uh, some of the drivers' ability to three-point turn the cars, even in a wide pit lane, is uh, really scary. frankly interesting. Uh, we have got the Porsche intervention vehicle running round, which means we've got the Tudor, uh, we've got the Tudor team ready to go. It will be Continental Tyres uh, free practice that is on uh, next. And if you want to go to imsa.com, you'll still be able to hear uh, Midweek Motorsport, but you'll get some timing on there as well for that. We'll you keep our you eyes said on. something earlier that I must mm-hmm. query you upon. Mm-hmm. Um, you said Series 10. Mm-hmm. Been doing this 10 years? Yes, we have. Ten years, ten uh, more years, ten more years, brother. Oh we, we've been God. doing this longer than Toro Rosso have existed. We, yeah, really. We, we've <laughs> been doing it as Midweek Motorsport for ten years on a Wednesday. Um, and we, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, Midweek Motorsport for ten years. This is the tenth season, and we did it for at least a couple of three seasons. Two no, seasons. No, it wasn't before. that long. Was it two seasons then? The first season of Midweek Motorsport, remember, lasted longer than a year because it started in September and ran oh, all the way ah. to the following December. And before that, I think we did a year and a bit. Yeah, so nearly two seasons. Yeah, wow. it's, a bit, it's a bit scary, that, because when, when it's our 25th anniversary, it means we'll be in our 50s. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Scary, That's though. what we'll be. Okay. Yep. Um, so, uh, Conti out in a minute. We'll give you some time. Um, just to prove that we are live, there was an issue earlier on in the FA Cup match tonight. Uh, has that been resolved uh, uh, Tim, the uh, I presume the they've arrived because it has kicked off. Chef Wed, who were only travelling no, from Chef Islington, United. Chef United, excuse me, who'd only uh, travelled from Islington and took three and a half hours to get from Islington to why to traffic traffic traffic. <laughs> it's London. Yeah, they should have sent them all out. on taxi bikes. They exactly. should have got the tube. <laughs> that would be funny. That's why Paolo Natini was late. For the concert that we went to recently, because the tube, there was a delay on the tube. He had actually come to the gig on the tube, which I thought was great at the O2. Best way to get to the O2. Well, uh, the only it, way to get to the O2, really. I quite like driving. Um, yeah, but you have to park miles when it costs a fortune. 
yeah, getting there from anyway, doesn't matter. We've we've got off off track here. We we will be the number of people asking us if we can do FA Cup updates at the weekend. I'm sure we probably can. Um, it's just one update. This, this actually is the mm-hmm. uh, Capital mm-hmm. One Cup, of course. Yes, I know. I know. Ah, right. Sorry, yes, it is. A, it is a cup game, though. Uh, so anyway, moving on. Uh, Twenty, almost uh, twenty minutes to nine in the UK uh, with the Continental Tyres Sports Car Challenge cars coming out at the moment, and a couple of Porsches early on there. That's that's another one of those little uh, little Caymans that are so nice. Mm. I do have an entry list here. We'll yeah. keep an eye on that for you. Um, are we finished with single seaters, or would you Not like a bit at all. more time? Uh, we have oh uh, we have uh, some sad news, unfortunately. Uh, the death of a single seater driver, and the last survivor of the inaugural Formula One World Championship in 1950, mm. Robert Manzon. Who was, I think he also committed at Le Mans, Tim. Am I right in saying that? He certainly raced sports cars. Whether he raced at Le Mans, I don't know. He was a works Lancia driver. It's amazing to me to think that now we, in the UK, um, we've got no one left who fought in the First World War. We've got very few people alive. I think there's only one lady now who was alive in the First World War. Uh, well, yes, it's amazing. I tend to think of that as relatively no, no, recent history. The last Victorian died this week. The last Victorian died this died week. Yes, this week yeah. the oldest la- the oldest person in the UK now is a hundred and twelve. Twelve. That's right. So she that's was a right. teenager during the war. Yes, yes, that's right. Um, and uh, I still think of all of that, and even you know the nineteen fifties, the first Formula One World Championship duo. That that almost is recent history. For us, it's something that you can look back on it's during your lifetime. It's, it's during your lifetime, Jane. At all, that's right. <laughs> it's well. Um, what can I say to that? You know, I mean, well, um, you retired uh, last year, so you must have been sixty-five. So yeah, we're, we're, you'd have been alive in nineteen fifty. I was a cop, so we retired very early. But no, I mean, you know, looking back at the fifties, when you think of nineteen fifty, what we forget is it was only five years after the end of the Second World correct, War. Correct, correct. And people yes. were tra- would then began travelling around Europe to mm. race cars. Mm-hmm. And w- you and I were born what twenty years after the well, uh, twenty years odd for years. you, um, nearly thirty for me, obviously. That for me was phenomenal, and there we were, you know, competing with red cars for Italy and blue cars for France and green cars for. For the for Great Britain and and on the other side of that, you think the fact that anybody is still alive who was racing then, who actually survived the racing. Oh, absolutely. Never never mind survived another fifty odd years after the racing. I had the pleasure of sitting next to Marino Franchitti on the flight over here, and he was telling me about soft hands Franchitti. Um, um, he was talking about his wife Holly mm. not racing. Uh, a dad's Alfa Romeo mm. which is I think some made in the 20s or something mm-hmm. and he said no 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 the reason why they, do, they don't like racing it is because they don't wear seat belts in it no that's right and I've seen her race that car you can, I have as well it's a 4C isn't it a 4C yeah. she's got a 4C I'm not exactly sure uh, but it was some years ago it's a long time since I've seen her race uh, race anything uh, obviously having kids puts a bit of a block on that Luca but yeah, they didn't. And I said to Marino, I said, I suppose you know, if you if you have a big off in that car, the best thing that can happen to you, and and let's put this into perspective, the best thing that can happen to you is you flung from the car. 
But that was the thought, though, Joe. That I know. was the thought. That's why they didn't have seatbelts. The last but, thing you wanted was. For but the, the problem is now that was on big, wide open circuits. Think what Silverstone looked like then. It was a big, yes. wide open area, or yeah. you know, any of the circuits back in the thirties, forties, and fifties with with you, straw you bales or that, barrels. And you're thinking you're going to land on a grassy bank or some straw bales. But actually, in between those straw bales, there were rows of barbed wire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yes. what they weren't, Tim, were crash barriers, banks. Or anything that you would go into and stop quickly where you need seat belts. What or the cars would tend to do was mm. go sideways and roll, mm. um, si- like a roll like, like uh, a rolly thing, like a rolly thing. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> rather like than end wheel. over end, rolled side to side. Yes, and just hope that as the co- as the rolly thing rolled, mm-hmm. you were flung mm-hmm. and it didn't land on top of you. Correct. Yeah, but it, but there was nothing. There were no metal stanchions for Armco or anything yep. like that to hit either. So well, apart you know, from lamp posts uh, and telegraph poles and hedges. Trees. Have you ever heard? Yeah, but a hedge is. I, I recommend anybody to go and dig up the old Riverside recordings from Sebring. I mean, we were at Se- we're going to be at mm-hmm. Sebring in a month's time. Just over. Of Sterling Moss getting to Sebring in 57 or 58, maybe 59, and bemoaning the fact... Wasn't it for the Grand Prix? No, um, it mi- no, no, I think it was the I'm sports sure it cars. I'm sure it was for the 59 Grand, Grand Prix. Prix. It might You're talking about when he was bemoaning about the fact that it, was a fo- it wasn't a, r- it a wasn't real, real circuit. Because we it didn't have any telegraph poles. It has no mm-hmm. road furniture. Yes. Yeah, no road there's furniture. No, yeah. th- there's, there's no ditches. Yeah. There's no road furniture. This is not what we're used to. Yes. This right. is not a proper Grand Prix. It's yeah. not really the men... That, be, that men was Sterling That was Sterling yeah. Moss. Yeah, and you want to talk about wide open spaces. Sebring in 1959, that was wide open. The original American Grand Prix. Yeah, and we'll be there for IMSA Radio, of course, uh, towards the end of March. It's, it's about a week later. It's normally around St Paddy's Day. Yeah. It's, it's a it's a weekend it's further back yep. uh, this year. So um, we've we're going to leave you without any. It's uh, last any last year was leap year. Yeah, and, and then the next year it's y- late, and then it yeah. normals up. We uh, because we've got uh, we've got obviously Daytona 24 this weekend. Uh, we've got Bathurst. Uh, in a couple of weeks and then there's a bit of a gap to the end of uh, March to Daytona but that will all be on Sebring Sebring. uh, to uh, Sebring excuse me that will be uh, uh, live on IMSA Radio Uh, you're listening to RadioLeMond.com and uh, it's uh, John Hindhoff and and a cast of thousands uh, Joe Bradley and uh, uh, Jim Roller are going to leave us and we're going to grab Shea Adam and Johnny Palmer in I'm going to go on f- and grab some of this beautiful 70-degree sunshine for everyone at home. <laughs> if you yeah. add together the ages of uh, Johnny Palmer and Shea Adam, do they come mm. to the age of Joe Bradley? No, 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 no. You'd, you, you could you could add five of us together and we wouldn't that come to Joe's age. I remember that's, that's talking to a racing driver who uh, was active in the late 80s and early 90s, and he said that he raced at Ingliston and mm-hmm. there were still unprotected trees literally just the other side of the curbs there. I remember watching Warren Hughes race there in air, mm, and Bradley should still be on for this. Joe, in Formula Hughes's... Formula Junior or Vo- something like that. In, in Hughes's first Formula Vauxhall Lotus season, he raced at Ingleston. I remember going up there, at, and that was still... They still there was a, a branch of the Royal Bank of Scotland that stuck out onto the circuit. It was just a, a, a little um, a little sort of brick thing, but it was it was amazing. The hairpin at Ingleston 
without any runoff whatsoever. Yes, exactly, as Joe reminds me. Um, OK, let's, uh, let's move on. We've got uh, CTSC out on the circuit. This is their second practice. They've finished their first one a little bit earlier this afternoon before we came on the air. We'll keep an eye on the times for you. Johnny Palmer and Shea Adam have joined us. Before we go back to London uh, and to Milton Keynes, we'll uh, say hello uh, to the youngsters of our broadcast. Hello, Johnny. Good afternoon, John. Good evening, John. Uh, where are you in the world? Out. Precisely. And Cher. Hello, John. And you're very quiet. Oh, so sorry put, about that. No, no, that's okay. Uh, you were the other half of the dynamic duo at the Raw, Cher, and seem to have had a great time. We've been replaying those the, those Raw programmes uh, on RadioLamont.com, and they are on there as a uh, an archive for those of you listening to us on IMSA uh, Radio, perhaps for the, the first time. Welcome along. Um there is a good buzz. There was a good buzz then. You've been around the, the paddock today. Um, we were around yesterday as well. And there seems to be a good buzz again this year. There really is. There's this excitement about this race that was there last year, but even more so. It's People are established. They're not figuring out where they should be, where they're going to measure up. It's almost a, a sort of revenge for some people who want to come back and uh, do what they didn't do last year several teams who managed to get seconds or thirds but they're still hungry for that first win in this uh, series been a couple of new faces that i i wasn't expecting to see today uh philippe albuquerque is going to be driving in the star wars prototype so mm-hmm. we'll have to get that jingle ready um mm-hmm. and brendan hartley was getting uh, fitted to his seat in the star wars dp and it's just it's nice to see people coming back with such excitement, especially people who we're used to seeing on international stages. Uh, Johnny, we're getting terribly jaded now in our old age, so we have to bring people like you out to, to remind us why we enjoy this so much. Uh, Dubai, 24-hour race, watch that from up in the gods, uh, out in the desert. Here's a very similar outlook in terms of where we are doing our commentary but again it's another 24 hour race that has a different vibe even at this early part of the week I came in to Joe explained this quite well earlier on we came in on the what's called the tram which is basically a huge pickup truck towing two trailers for passengers and we came through the tunnel and uh, through around one of the approach roads and Joe turned to me and Jay turned to me and said welcome to Daytona in the and northeast corner was that Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, and uh, I had no, I had no reference points. I could see the banking, I could see the huge grandstands, but I couldn't really recognise where everything was. And Joe said, "If you don't get goose pimples at this stage, then you're not in this for the right reasons." I kind of couldn't work out where I was, and it was a little bit disorientating. It wasn't until I came up here to our viewpoint for the race, mm. and I nearly fell over. Quite frankly, the literally the colour. This explosion of colour, I mean, it helps with a beautiful blue sky. Not a cloud in the sky today, yes. But looking out to such a legendary location, and you can see it all from here. I mean, There's I've nothing been like seeing that painted white I, Daytona precisely. on the grass. And, and the glass-fronted Daytona International Speedway main building with Victory Lane below it. I just had to sit down for a little while and kind of breathe <laughs> and just, t- you know... Gather your thoughts. Gather my thoughts, literally. Yeah. So it's taken me a little while to kind of recognise where I am, but uh, I'm here now. My I first, like. Oh, go on. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, okay, uh, so my go first on. trip into the infield at Daytona was from the other end. We drove in uh, through the uh, tunnel under the track at the far uh, west end. So, so turn one end between turn one and turn two. Yes. Yeah. Um, and generally called the I turn got, one tunnel. I, I got the the feelings that Joe described there, and it yeah. wasn't until the Friday night for the 
um, truck race uh, that I came in the other way on the tram, as you described, to the uh, northeast corner, mm. turn four. Um, we've got some times coming in from the GS cars. Uh, first of all, let me just tell you that uh, BJ Zacharias out of Cincinnati on the Turan Racing Nissan 370Z is the fastest at the moment, the 157.4. So... Uh, not quite even down to the Ferrari times at the moment, but they are very much an opening salvo here. Billy Johnson in the Multimatic Ford Mustang Boss 302R that he shares with Scott Maxwell is in second position. And Jed Buford in third position in the 158, also a GS car. And uh, that isn't on my entry list. Entry, ah, I bet I know why it isn't, because it's going to be in the GSs, and they're not in numeric order. That's another Ford Mustang Boss 302R uh, shared with Austin Sindrick, who has made news recently. And uh, Can I use that as a segue? Yes. Austin Sindrick named to the Erebus Motorsport uh, team for Bathurst in a couple of weeks' time. And... One or two eyebrows raised about that. The second car, Shea, very much a young talent. Uh, Betty Clemenko uh, couldn't get all of her, obviously get all of her Aussie Super V8 drivers in that. Have gone a completely different way, and I think more, more power to her. Absolutely. Uh, she's gone with Jack LeBrock's coming back again. He did a great job last year. That was the car, I remember, that ran over the kangaroo that uh, Peter Cox unfortunately met on the circuit they still finished third. So it's a car that has a bit of experience now with, with Jack returning. He is a young gun, and then you've got Austin. And Why not bring him out to the mountain? Why not let him uh, cut his teeth on a track like that? It, it'll make uh, any other track that he comes to in the States a little bit less intimidating at the very least. And Austin Sindrick, of course, sort of Tim Sindrick of uh, massive fame over here for the Penske organization, um, has done a bit of racing, Maybe this is, well, we'll find out. Is it going to be a step too far for him in, in terms of his experience? I think it'll be eye-opening for him. But uh, if, if you have a step too far in racing, then you're not doing something right, especially when you're learning at such a young age. He's getting in a car that he's never driven anything like it before. I mean, last year's debut uh, in the Continental Series was at Petit Le Mans. He did a fabulous job in that. I think he was in a Mustang then, too, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, but he'll be doing the 24 hours of Daytona, and then two weeks later he'll be doing Bathurst, and a month after that, Sebring. So he's got quite the schedule. And seems to be trying to make his way as a as a sports car driver. Johnny's already got Andy Blackmore's excellent Spotless Guide uh, out. Uh, SpottlessGuide.com for that, by the way, on the web. Andy Lally now at the head of the field with a 157.161. Uh, 157.4 for BJ Zacharias and Billy Johnson, a 157.5. 157.6 for Jade Beaufort. Matt Plum. There's a name I haven't seen uh, for a while. That's the Rumbum Racing Porsche 911. And good to see Matt back in a full-time drive. A 157.8. The top, let me see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, separated by less than 8 tenths of a second at the moment as the second practice session, free practice session for Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge is out on the circuit in a riot of colour as, uh, as Johnny rightly said uh, what other news stories do you uh, have for us Tim we can jump around if you uh, you want to if you want to jump around that's up to you but uh, don't around. make too much noise or vibration I'll try not to 
It uh, could affect the uh, sound. I'm going to play you with a jingle. Right. It's the quiz of the week. And now, yes. from Norwich, it's the quiz of the week. Except it isn't. Oh. Why? Uh-huh. The auction was cancelled. No! Which one was this? This is the auction for the assets of uh, Marussia. Why was it cancelled? Nick Damon, why was it cancelled? Because they're uh, making up a st- Sorry, they, they found a... Uh, they reckon a, an investor who's going to buy the the, uh, the team back up again. And the bits they were selling uh, this week oh. were quite important because they were the cars, which they are now allowed to use again next year. So uh, if they had sold that, that'd be it. But they've been, they postponed the auction because they've got a new super investor. Uh, just going to bring it in there because we've got a fire in the pit lane. It looks like a BM. Is it a BM? Oh, it's a Nissan. It's the Nissan number 28, the Tim Bell racing car uh, share that is billowing black smoke out from underneath its bonnet, which was pristine in black, grey and very fluorescent orange. Oui. A few moments. Ooh, is that, for, that is Tim Bell in the car. Yes, that uh, is. And that is the car that uh, wound up on its side at Circuit of the Americas. Oh, that was the one that had that huge yes. accident down at the bottom of uh, turn turn 10 wasn't it when he just went straight on at the bottom of the hill couldn't get the thing stopped and that is now a serious under bonnet fire under hood fire engine compartment fire and we've got some people down there Johnny who are uh, spraying it but that uh, you do not want still going fairly strongly you do not want to be lifting the bonnet on that precisely it'll be a brave person oh no there's flames coming out from underneath the rear edge of the bonnet towards the screen the driver is out by the way standing uh, watching Tim Bell is out watching his Normally pristine car. Um, sadly, you wouldn't you wouldn't fancy that cleaning bill, would you? To get all the extinguisher fluid and powder out of that. And and that I have to say, that looked fairly hot in there. Yep, they can't get the hood lifted now. They can't. Blimey, that was a that brave was man to do that. But it's uh, fully up now, and the extinguishers can really get in there to put out the last few licks of flame. Just caught that out the uh, the corner of my eye. It was odd because it, it wasn't... It wasn't, it wasn't the size that I thought it was, John. Why? Well, when you said there's a fire in the pit lane, the exact time I got some static, I thought you said there's a foal in the pit lane. Was those farmer exciting, a small horse <laughs> in the pit lane? <laughs> no, there's a Mustang leaving the pit lane now. Oh, but, very oh. good. Uh, and there are several hundred other pony cars that, here as well, of course. That all, almost stems back, Nick, to uh, you and I animal guessing for the Spa 24 hours. I, I think that's Do you remember a, that? that? You're on yes. very shaky ground there. Larger than that, a foal. That's because you're jumping <laughs> around. <laughs> that's, I remember that, yes. <laughs> I was listening to that in Austria on tuning, and I, I was absolutely howling laughing with that. <laughs> Larger than a foal, smaller than a cat. No cats here, of course. The groundsman is very particular uh, about that. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. It's three minutes to nine back in the UK, three minutes to four here in Florida. And the team's all here, getting ready for the launch of IMSA Radio tomorrow, January the 22nd, quarter past nine. Yeah, whose fault is that? Oh, um, day job fault. Yeah, yes. Um, the uh, 22nd tomorrow and at 9.15 in the morning here in Florida, which is what Two. is that, Tim? Two, thank you. Two fifteen. Uh, back in the UK, we will be live with the first, the build-up to, and the first practice session for the Tudor United Sports Car Championship for 2015, and we are looking forward to it. Uh, let's have a bit of gossip from the paddock. Then, uh, hang on. As, uh, go on. 
Can we finish Amorousia's story? Oh, yes, all right. Go on, yes, sorry, I forgot about that. Your, your fire is out now, I presume. Yes, and the, there's, it, the car's actually left the pit lane, although not under, it, no, yeah. not under its own power. It's been pushed, but it's left the pit lane, and uh, now it's just a clean-up job down there for the Tim Bell Racing guys. Sorry, Marussia, no auction. Uh, what else don't they have? Uh, a factory anymore. Uh, why is that? Because Haas have bought it and are going to use it as a European base for 2016. Well, they've bought one of the factories that they used, yes. and I'm not even sure they've bought it. I think they're no, leasing they have, it. They have. They've bought it have um, they? from Andrei Cheklikov. Mr. Marissa. Mm-hmm. Right. He's quite chuffed, though, because they, they paid in dollars, which is worth twice as much in rubles as it was earlier in the year. Mm. Almost certainly, yes. Um... Right, I'm sorry. I did, I, 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 w- so they're making stuff in uh, Charlotte, uh, shipping it to uh, the Mercia factory in Banbury. Uh, yep. The engines will also go to. Is it Banbury. the Overend? Is it the Overend Road factory that they've they've bought? Isn't it? There was two premises, and I think that's the older one, isn't it? Of the two, I think it's the non-Nick Worth one. Yes. Oh, hang on. Uh, there's there's more. A conflagration down in the exit of the pit lane now, and that is the Tim Bell car again that was being pushed away. And clearly, that flat fire on the 370 uh, Nissan 370Z or Z for sure um, has uh, reignited. Reignited, stop it, it feels Peaches. so good. That was Peaches and Herbert, it was reunited, as I know. you well know. You can't crowbar that in. Uh, so, what, what do we think? Can I? Uh, a very serious question um, before we, uh, we we break for our still to come jingle what do we think of the prospect of either of last year's bankrupt teams into administration teams being a, anywhere near the grid or being allowed to be on the grid without paying any of their debts off from last year That's I think Ferrari Junior will uh, be on the team on the grid Ferrari Junior being Marissa Marussia, okay. You think you think you think Marussia will be on the grid next year? This year? Well, yes. Yeah, sorry, next se- really? Yes. Yeah. Yes, next season. Yeah. I think it's very unlikely. The the all Ferrari quite a lot of money, don't they? Yes, uh, at least five million, not more. But if Ferrari think... are the mysterious uh, people who are about to buy all the assets, and how would it help Ferrari? Well, it means they can put uh, Marciello in a Formula 1 car rather than having him do another season of something he's already done. But they could have done that just by paying more money to one of the other teams. Mm-hmm. Less Sa- mm. Sauber Ferrari would have said, yes, thank you very much for a big discount on their engines. Haven't yeah, Sauber already car. announced both their drivers? You know, they've still got 16... a huge amount of money. It's not bothered in the past. <laughs> That's true. They, no. there, there was a point at the end of last season where they had four drivers under contract for uh, 2015. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Mm. Well, it remains to be seen. I think morally they shouldn't be allowed on the grid, but there you go. That's never good. Well, if Ferrari gonna... buy them, then Ferrari can afford to pay the debts off, which is why You Ferrari know for a fine fact that they won't, though. You know no, for a fine fact they that they won't. they won't do it, because if, if, the, if Ferrari buy the team and try and wheedle out of the debts, it's... It, the those that know are going to say what the heck's going on. It's going to reflect very badly on Ferrari, and they can't, and, and they would not want to have that negative publicity. If some venture capitalist comes in, or some team you've never heard of, but a new team, they could, they it, it'll be ignored and forgotten. Mm. There will be some people who are owed 
medium amount of money, medium-sized amount of money, by Marussia and Caterham who deal with other teams, including Ferrari. And I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think if Ferrari were going to go in there and not clear the debt and put it right, then there might be there might be some issues alright you're listening to Midweek Motorsport Series 10 Episode 3 we're live from Daytona International Speedways we get ready for the 24 hour race this weekend and for the launch of IMSA Radio tomorrow already running on RadioLeMond.com have a look on the front page there's a link to it and uh, there's an extra little button that you can push now to get the IMSA content now at the moment obviously it's playing what we're playing on RadioLeMond.com but there will be times in the future when you will need to make a listening decision uh, it's not just about the sound though this weekend uh, we've also got the Tudor United Sports Car Practice we've got the Conti Race and uh, both of those will be broadcast to the world with no geo-blocking, as all our audio, of course, always is, no geo-blocking. And then the race on Saturday into Sunday, the Chile United Sports Car first round uh, for 2015. That will be uh, in Sound and Vision 2. Now, there will be some restri- restrictions for those of you in the US. I'm afraid we can't get around that because of the, uh, the network television partner, but it will be small. Um, in terms Only of for the duration of the percentage. network television partner being on air. I would think so. I think just the first two hours and and possibly sometime near the end. But I, I, I'm not going to be held to that. Um, so you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. We're live on RadioLamont.com. Midweek Motorsport. And if you've spent the first part of the show counting, you should be up to 3,600 by now. So in the second half of tonight's programme, more of the same. Greg Kramer is uh, standing off to my left. We'll speak to him in the second hour. I think Paul Truswell is still up top as well. We'll be talking uh, statistics and potential for the weekend uh, with Paul. Nick Damon is still in the uh, lavatories just outside the new Honda factory at uh, Milton Keynes. And, of course, up in London, it is uh, Tim Gray. Uh, For the moment, it's Johnny and Shea with us. And you can t- tweet us at Specutainment, at Radio Le Mans, and now, for the first time, at IMSA Radio. It's Midweek Motorsports on RadioLeMond.com. Midweek Motorsports on RadioLeMond.com. So, uh, what's your next story then, Tim? We've got some sports car news. Excellent. We've also Cracking got some in. rally news, but I'll leave that for later. Okay. Uh, what do we know? Uh, Alex Wurtz has uh, in bigger quantities than other uh, WEC drivers. Hi. Odd shoes. Not he always do, wears one. Not, a, not his shoes or his feet. News or his height. Internet websites. No. A wife. No. He only uh, has one of them. A Chilton. lot of Stratos. Old cars, yes, that's very good. Um, uh, triathlon victories. No, a lot of racing drivers have triathlon victories. Not as many as others. Triathlon victories with his family. Three boys who all race. Um, really nice Christmas cards. Oh, I don't know, Tim. Tell me. Wait. No, tell me now. <sighs> Oh, come on, that wasn't bad. Uh, Alex Wurtz is 28 kilos heavier than Anthony Davidson. 
Yes, but really? it's twice his height. That is true. He's also six <laughs> kilos uh, um, heavier than the um, 80 uh, kilogram average weight of uh, LMP1 drivers. What does Mark Webber wear? Bless you. Who? How would I know? Bless you again. Was that Nick? It's me, sorry. It's all right. Um, because he's more Alex's height, and he's still a good... He gives away still a, probably good at two or three inches, I would think, to Alex. How Wirtz. tall is Stefan Samazan? No, not as tall. Not tall. He's, he's 11 kilos lighter. Um, and Kazuki Nakajima is a further 10 kilos lighter. It's an issue, isn't it? And it's something we've talked about with particularly formula drivers, Nick. Um, when you have minimum weights of cars uh, that you know, are so tight nowadays and drivers being encouraged to be lighter and lighter and lighter. And effectively what you've got to do is... Well, I mean, do you have to fa- factor the minimum weight um, with the driver or without the driver? Which is the best way to do it? I, I've kind of lost... It's with, the, with, with both, it's with the driver in both uh, mm. uh, Le Mans and in uh, Formula 1. And, yeah, it was a major issue last year. Um, we had, um, People starving themselves. Yeah, I think it's because it, they did put the weight up properly. And then, of course, this year they've increased the weight of Formula 1 cars by a massive one kilo. Well, and that's only because the tyres are heavier. Um, so the same issue again. I think you know. It's a Johnny can tell us. I'm not sure how up to date these statistics are, but I found uh, via the use of the internet that Mark Webber is 75 kilos. Mm-hmm. And That's the same as Sarazan. Is six foot tall, so he's he towers one, above Anthony Davidson. Oh, one thing to remember: than six foot Webber. Yeah, when we talk about this, is in the 80s, um, it was just the weight of the car driver mm-hmm. was completely separate so Nigel Mansell's performances are in many ways even more remarkable because he's a big chunky bloke against some of the wizards of the time yes that is, that's a fair point well made in the I mean when you've got a 900 kilo car or 990 kilo car in the WEC clearly the driver's weight is less of uh, an issue in terms of the percentage of the car because in Formula 1 cars it's 780 now 760 I believe but don't quote right. me on that but the new WC LMP1 rules are that the minimum for a hybrid is 870 and for a non-hybrid 850. Really? If the average weight of two or three drivers is more than 80 kilograms. Oh, so it does... It takes into account the average weight of the two drivers who are yes, in the car. Yes, this is new for this year. Ooh, that's act- actually that's not a bad idea. There's a lot of averaging and yes. red flag. If the average weight is less than 80 kilos, then the minimum weight increases by adding ballast equal to that figure subtracted from 80. Right. So I'm if you had... Already. <laughs> If you had three Stefan Sarazans in your car, yes, their um, average weight would be 75 kilos. Yeah. So take that from 80, you're left with five kilos. So they'd have to carry five kilos of ballast. Yes. But if you had... If you had... Two Stefan Sarazans and uh, Alex Vert, that would be different because it balances out doesn't it you, you don't want to carry two both two Sarazans and an Alex Verst that's going to be 236 divided by 3 is uh, 
77. So that's so you three, have three kilos, kilos of ballast. It makes it, a lot of it, sense to have your three heaviest drivers and your three lightest drivers together as a team. If you had three Kazuki Nakajimas, that's only 195. So that's 65 average. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have so to put that's 15, 15 kilos. kilos. The so most. 15 the most ballast that you're allowed to add is 20 kilos. Oh, so if you've got three tiny little tots. So if you've got three 59-kilo drivers... Yeah. Uh, You'd I'd, be three kilos I'd, up on the I'd deal. I'd swap them with someone else. Otherwise, they probably <laughs> won't let your car run for being underweight. Uh, minimum weight for F1 is 691. Oh, is it? Okay, bloody hell. Is it that, that is late. That is late. Uh, we've got it a red flag. 42 till the uh, turbos came in. Uh, we've got a red flag here at Daytona for the second free practice session for CTSC. Greg Kramer has uh, joined us. Welcome to Midweek Motorsport, Greg. Great to be a part of it, Jeff. Um, have you got an eyeball on who's gone off? Well, it looks like I can't quite pick the car out, but it's just out of the uh, what they call the bus stop here at the end of the super stretch. There's a car that's been limping along, and I think he had stopped somewhere, and they finally got him going, but uh, he is progressing rather slowly at this point. Welcome back to the airwaves of, uh, of RadioLamont.com. It's been a very long time since uh, we've heard the creamer tones on here. Um, looking forward to the weekend? Absolutely. Uh, I think it's going to be absolutely fantastic. Uh, what I think one of the things that I'm really excited about is uh, the fact that we've now got that first year of trying to merge the, the, the two groups together. Uh, they've got a year under their belts. They learned an awful lot. They've made a lot of changes and adjustments in the off season, uh, in terms of rules, procedures, and personnel and the like, to really try and address some of the issues that they knew were going to crop up. Now it's going to be a matter of uh, exactly uh, how is everything going to uh, apply as we get into this first weekend of racing. You know, one of the great things is one thing that hasn't changed at all and didn't last year was the Continental Tire Sports Car Championship. Mm-hmm. But you don't fix what's not broke, and this series has produced some phenomenal racing for a lot of years obviously the Tudor series uh, you know, it wasn't just blending apples and oranges with the Daytona prototypes and the P2 drive cars I called it sort of pineapples and grapes it was so different yeah and they, pineapples grapes and tennis rackets it, I mean it really is that completely different that different uh, this series has been in some ways one of the best kept secrets it because is. It, it is fantastic racing out there big grids uh, the top 22 at the moment are the GS category Billy Cameron uh, with the uh, on top of the standings at the moment uh, 156.9 the best time uh, and that is in the, the number 15 Multimatics uh, Ford Mustang Boss 302R expecting to hear some news about Multimatics Ford GT programme the week before Le Mans. George Howard Chapel, of course, formerly of Aston Martin, among other places, has uh, been on the staff there for a wee while. There are some, some good cars, some good drivers, and some good teams in the CTSC. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, it, you know, you take a look at some of the driver lineups that they have. Uh, you know, one that really comes to mind here, uh, Andrew Davis mm-hmm. and Robin Liddell. I mean, that is a top-flight pairing no matter where you put them. And you've got a number of those types of groups that run through the field. They also appear in the ST, the street tuner yep. uh, uh, class as well, so they're not as fast in terms of, of the cars. But some of the driver pairings are absolutely superb. And the racing, the racecraft that's you know employed, it's only a two-and-a-half-hour race. 
Mortis, but boy, did they put on a show. And, and that's a Stevenson Motorsport Camaro yeah. that you were were talking about, always brilliantly turned out, and the quality of the cars as well, right the way through the field. A lot of our listeners won't have had the opportunity to listen to live coverage uh, of the uh, of the Conti series uh, before, and we'll be showing the race as well uh, on the streaming video at RadioLeMond.com and at IMSA. Dot com. What what have we got to look out for uh, in the early sessions? Are, are people going through the usual sets of, of setup and things like that? And when we get to the race, what what we're looking for tactically? Well, the interesting thing with the cars, there isn't a lot that you can do to the cars. They're very stock derived, and so you can in the off season make you know wholesale changes to suspensions and pickup points and mm. drive lines and the like. So it's more just massaging things. And they were had a lot of track time here at the Roar two weeks ago as well, uh, and. And the interesting thing for Daytona, as it is, you know, for any 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 series that races here, it's a one-off in a way because it's such a unique facility. The amount of time you're at absolute flat chat here, the loads in the banking, all of that sort of thing. The thing that to me always is an eye-catcher about this race is it is is more than any place else. In a lot of places you can say this, but this one, it defines it, the battle between grunt and fuel consumption, therefore, mm. and aero. Yeah. And, you know, at the at the very front, Billy Johnson you talked about in the number 15 Multimatic Mustang. Big, big, big V8. As a matter of fact, I think the first session on Saturday during the roar, he set an unofficial track record. He got into the mid-155s. That's a lap that hasn't been turned here in, in Continental Tire class action before very fast. But those cars, the Mustangs, the Camaros, even the BMWs to a, a degree, uh, have a much bigger frontal area than the Porsches and the like. And so they're nowhere near as slippery. They go through more fuel, which changes how long you can run on a tank. Now you're getting into the strategy that's yeah. so fun. And this series has a lot of that. And, and there's no restrictions on driver pairings here. You can no. have two pros if you want two pros. You can have two arms. The, 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 you just basically get out there and race, fellas. As long as it's funded, it yeah. doesn't matter how it happens. And that's a, a nice thing to see. And the fun thing about these races is, you know, you look at, at the uh, it's a two-and-a-half-hour race. You can generally get it done in with a, a caution of any type, two stops. Right. So what happens is up to the first stop, it's very close racing, good mm-hmm. activity. Stop one to stop two in that gap. Sometimes you get these big gaps because there's different things that are being employed. You've got, you know, you started with your 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 AM driver if you if you have one. While another team's got the pro, they build the leader, whatever. Inevitably, there's cautions because there's such huge fields. Yep. Fifty six. Oh, I know it's big. Yeah. So you get all this happening after that last set of stops. Usually, you've got a group of cars that are covered by mere seconds that are then battling all the way to the end. And remember, they're stock-derived cars, so they're using these beasts up here as they get near the end of the race. It's incredibly exciting, John. GT4 is what, roughly speaking, the GS category is. If we're talking to our if we're talking to our European and worldwide listeners, there are some pretty much close to GT4 spec cars there. Now, what's about the ST, though? Street tuning class you talked about. What, what, what are these cars like? And We see a lot of MX5, CJ Wilson, of course, has got uh, his team running here. There's a little Honda just pulling out the, the pits at the moment. What sort of level are they, these cars pitched at? Sort of a touring car kind of? Yeah, basically. I mean, that would be, a, you know, and not like the old British touring no, cars. No, no, that no. Were, not like were, the super tourists. Well no, no. Yeah, exactly. Mm. It's more the, 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 the modern iteration of, mm-hmm. of a touring car. Still very stock. You can't do a lot of changes to it. And it's basically a place for what we call the subcompact car to be able to come out and show some performance. Now, they've made some changes. They actually moved the Porsche Cayman down into ST. So 
they carry a bit more weight and the like. Uh, but you've seen a lot of guys that teams that used to be running. Uh, well, for instance, the uh, team that won the championship last year, Marilla Racing, big BMW team for a lot of years, won here last year in GS and a BMW. By the midpoint of the season, watching what some of the other teams had done in the Cayman, they made the switch, and Eric Foss and Jeff Mosing ended up uh, taking that to the championship in the Cayman. So uh, it's a blend. It's, it's, it's a neat mix, but it offers front drive versus mid-engine mm. versus rear drive mm-hmm. in a small displacement battleground. And, it, I mean, it's some, some, some serious racing. I know you've got to run, so I've got one question for you. Mm-hmm. It's the start of a long season, Absolutely. but Daytona's Daytona. Yeah. So do you get people making bad decisions when they should be thinking championship, but they're thinking, no, but it's Daytona and it's the BMW 200 and we're, we're part of the big show? Absolutely you do, and you also keep in mind, because, as you said, it's Daytona, you have a number of drivers and even some teams that are running here that aren't going to run the full season. Ah, yes. And so they're out there. They're not worried about season points. They're, they're trying to maybe make a point. So they're like a wild that card. That we're capable here. We, if we win this thing, maybe we get funding to do the season. Maybe right. we can you know, make that happen. So you've got that element playing with everybody that's already in it for the long run for the championship. And it, one of my favorite things, the three Ps of successful endurance racing. Careful. It's patient. Pace and patience, yeah. and you've got to observe that at this race because you've got all these all these these different elements, different strategies being employed. Great to hear you back. Great to have you back. Great to be back. Enjoy the weekend, fella. Absolutely. It's Greg Kramer who's joining us here on uh, IMSA Radio, as it will be tomorrow, uh, as we start with uh, free practice for the Tudor United Sports Car Championship. It's uh, Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge practice out there uh, at the moment. It's the uh, Road Race Showcase and the BMW Performance 200 this weekend and it's uh, just getting back up to speed back up in London uh, our executive producer Tim Gray I think it's 17 hours till that first session I know that's a bit scary isn't it that really is a bit scary uh, where would you like us to move to next 40 minutes left on the show we're going to stay with sports cars alright good excellent uh, and uh various people uh, saying lots of different things about uh, a Nissan that may or may not have been testing somewhere no, it's been testing. Everybody knows it's been it's, testing. It's been testing, but whether or not the car that has been photographed testing is the car is uh, not quite so certain, is it? Well, I'm, no, I'm not so sure about that. I think there's been there's some people have been somewhat disingenuous uh, about this. Um, it's Nissan, the car. Nissan, oh. Nissan have tried to keep it quiet and, in fact, did a pretty good job. It's done, from what I've heard, a lot of testing. Uh, early testing uh, was done in a slightly different way but the car is now the finished article with both the hybrid system and the internal combustion engine working together it's clocking up the kilometres it's been incredibly successful from what I've heard and none of these are from official sources because Nissan are being very tight lipped about it as you know we'll see it on the 1st of February uh, in the Super Bowl uh, in a commercial but in a hang on. advert. Will it, ha- mm-hmm. will it have slightly too flat tyres? Why? <laughs> well done, Nick. Thank you. There's, there's been a controversy over here in uh, American football discussing the New oh, England yes. Patriots yes. slightly deflating the, the football. So The Cleveland Patriots? New England Patriots. Right. So yeah. not the Cleveland Patriots. No, then. not the Cleveland Patriots. <laughs> Are there any relation to the Indianapolis blacksmiths? Uh, they no, got knocked they, out, didn't they? But they are similar to the Baltimore Colts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can I mention yes. Seattle Seahawks? You may. Which is my team. Yeah. And which uh, 
two minutes into the start of the fourth quarter, I thought, yeah. there's no way we can come back from this. Mm. It was like a game of Madden. I was talking to Declan about this. It was like a game of Madden because they, they all did weird plays, including the fake uh, field goal uh, and thrown into the end zone for a touchdown, uh, which is, I mean, that, that was just bonkers. And then one of the players who was playing Madden, who we were obviously watching, that wasn't a real game, that was somebody playing Madden against someone else online, obviously had been drinking a bit too much in the, in the third and fourth quarter. And his performance went down. I think that's the only answer to it, yeah, don't you? Yeah. Ha Clinton Dix, who was the uh, number one pick from the Packers this year, he had one of those moments. We're mm. absolutely right. And it was, <laughs> I should probably jump and knock that down, but I'm just going to watch it instead. Yeah. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. right. Madden players. Makes just sense now. Very, very odd. Going, going back to the uh, GTR, uh, LMP1 car, um, I, I think there's, I, I don't know this, but I think there's a, there's a bit of, jiggery and porkery going around uh, from various people online um, I'm told that nothing that none of it has had anything to do with the Nissan PR uh, guys that they were generally worried uh, when they uh, heard that stuff was coming out and that the uh, issue with the photographs that there were people who were at the test and I think it was the I think that those were it was the days at quarter when they were film, filming some of the stuff for the ad if I'm honest, um, and the the people who were there, and there were people who were invited there, were told not to take photographs, and clearly some people did. And but at Cota, you can stand on non-Cota track and still have a very good view of the track. Not where those pictures were taken. If we're that really was honest, down the hill. though. This all adds to the buzz. It's all good no, no, news. No, 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 no. I absolutely agree. You know, Porsche have had a brand new car out, and yeah, exactly. And they grabbed half a page, didn't they? Yeah. I, I mean, it's a very interesting throwback design at the front end of that new Porsche 919. Porsche, by the way, deciding to do the same thing as Audi, and not the same thing as Toyota, um, and keep the same designation for their LMP1 car. The you know the the R18 has well, been the R18. Different, uh, different car numbers this year. Uh, well, that's a good question. They had 20 and 14 for the mission hour return, didn't they? Um, but that's still relevant. It's the year of their return, so it's still relevant. Yeah, could be. I, I somehow think not, though. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, it, it's... I'm told it's not being designed by Nissan, but I don't think they'll be overly disappointed that there's so much buzz going around and their car hasn't officially been launched yet. Uh, you know, those Porsche picks were official Porsche, Porsche picks took, taken at yeah. Vysak. Easy for me to say. Uh, taking at Vysak um, at the test facility and, you know, it was like, oh, love, like, okay, let's get back to these grainy images. Um, and, you know, the speculation about where the engine is on the Nissan, about which wheels are driving, about whether the engine's transverse or longitudinal, whether it'll have a... I think a it's... I think, yeah, from the, from the pictures, you can see it's front-engined, and the front is taking a lot of the work from the tyres. It's different to the front and the rear. Now, therefore, a large amount of the power is coming from the front, obviously. Uh, we'll find out. I know we'll find that. out, and I'm, I, I'm happy to play some of the guessing games, but some of the things now are pretty obvious. 
Uh, Marshall Pruitt is listening in from racer.com. It's just a shame we can't get him on. He's over Texas at the moment and listening on Wi-Fi on a plane, <laughs> which I, I love that kind of thing. You're listening to Midweek Motorsport, 25 past four here in Daytona. That's uh, 25 past nine back in the UK. And it's Lawson Aschenbach, who's now at the wheel of the fastest GS car out in front of us. Uh, and that is the number nine, which is the Stevenson Motorsport Chevy Camaro. Matt Bell in that car, who is uh, Bob Bell's younger brother Bob. what did I say? you said Bob Bell yeah we call him Bob as well though you wouldn't um, want to confuse him with the former Renault F1 engineer no I think I think Rob's quicker They're certainly quicker yes yeah absolutely uh, so where are we moving on to next Johnny and Shea still with us we'll have a word I'm with glad uh, Johnny's Paul still uh, with us yeah. cause, uh, Johnny asked me a question yesterday before we got on the plane and right. because uh, of problems he had with his phone since he's been in the States he won't have heard my answer which was Cardiff no. oh obviously excellent not Didcot there you go mm. right so there we Cardiff. go if only I could remember the question <laughs> where was your final destination ah was yes, it Didcot. No, it wasn't Didcot. No. It was well, Cardiff. I know that you made from your house to Didcot in two hours, which yes. you were very impressed with. Mm-hmm. But okay, you were heading to Cardiff because Tim, uh, because it relates to our next news story. Oh, mm-hmm. convenient! Uh, because a public inquiry has been called uh, to discuss the proposed three hundred million pound circuit of Wales. Yeah, which means I need to play this music. <laughs> Except that's skipping horribly, so uh, well, maybe it's because I can't hear it then. Yeah, everyone else can. Right, let's get rid of that. Good. There we go. Well, that is, that, is that indicative of the fact that it's not going to happen then? People oh, are just going to skip through it and. What's the music? Probably come. Yes. Probably come, of course it is. Nick can Nobody hear it, needs to speak Nick. at this point. No, let's, ju- let's just talk about it. We're running okay. out of time. I've got a guest to bring in in a second. Uh, so, uh, April last year, uh, they... Lose the bed. It's only going to uni. There you go. Just make it any more easier for him to hear, though. In April last year, um, they first talked about maybe having a uh, public inquiry and decided at that point that they wouldn't. Uh, and all through last year, they kept deciding that they wouldn't. And now suddenly they've decided that they will. An eight-day one. It's going to take eight days. And it's going to it's going to investigate where the money's gone or come from and what's going on and is it a bit dodgy and the answer to that is yes. But they've already Allegedly. paid a whole load of money. They've already paid a whole load of money for rights that they can't use, which is very odd. Well, they can use money. Them. I, I tell you what, I think this is going to be very interesting. I think it's going to be very interesting, and I think we should keep an eye on it because I'm interested to see what the attitude is and if it gets any player down in Wales whether people who are taxpayers in Wales realise what their money's going towards look I love motorsport as, as much as the next person and probably more than most but putting public money into buying rights that you can't stage the event for yet is I think you can stage the event for well you can't stage it in Wales though no no and when it's Welsh money that's going into it I think that's a bit iffy I really do I think they've been badly advised but you know, I'm not saying that there's anything necessarily dodgy going on I just think they've been badly advised I think it's something we need to keep an eye on so the Can public inquiry guessed? starts on the um, eight, sorry the 10th of uh, March and mm-hmm. uh, there was uh, supposedly a council meeting today 
um, which was chaired by the very Welsh sounding uh, but not actually at all uh, mm -hmm. I can't find her name now Bronwyn Jenkins no it wasn't Mathanwy um, Davis <laughs> Nick you're Neris never going to be able to go to <laughs> Wales again you're never going to be able to go across the bridge again are you Antoinette Sandbach yeah, that's not Welsh sounding at all. No. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. Going to break away from that, and Tim will find us another story in a moment. It's exactly half past four. Uh, Matt Bell has just gone to the top of the times uh, in the uh, the number nine uh, in front of us in the second free practice session for the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge. It is the Stevenson Motorsports Camaro Z28R, Z28R, I suppose I've got to say. Welcome to Declan Brennan. Hello! But I'm not the important one. You should be welcoming the, the no, real no, guests. I'm going to welcome you first, obviously, because... Hello, Dex. <laughs> Nick, how are you? Hello, that. fans as well. Hello, all three of you. Right, before we talk to the guest, we've got to talk about a, a brilliant initiative that we've got here at... Daytona on Friday morning that you, the guys at CJ Wilson Motorsports, the guys at Mazda have uh, all come together to get basically a, a collective meetup together. Yeah, we want we want all the uh, the IMSA radio, the growing army of IMSA radio uh, listeners, to uh, en masse invade the CJ Wilson garage on Friday morning at 10.30. En masse, so we've well, all got to be dressed as the Pope. <laughs> no, we're not saying a mass. Oh, right. Have another mass. That's a, a Father Ted gag for people out there. No, we want as many people as possible to come down. We're going to... Uh, the wonderful Chad McCombie and Stephen McAleer are going to uh, do some driver change practice and uh, as are uh, Mark Miller and Tyler McQuarrie in the three car. Uh, we're going to give people a... a, a in-depth look at the car, autographs, meet and greet. CJ will be there teaching people how to throw a curveball. <laughs> uh, there'll be a batting clinic uh, and many other things. I'll just, I so may have to come down for that. We just have to, we're just opening up the garage. We want you all to come down and, 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 where, and ask right, questions. For those people who are making their way to Daytona, even as we speak, where are you based? We are in the Continental Garage. Oh, in that in the paddock, which so, which is, is where from where we're sitting now. If you're staring, uh, if you're staring from where you are now, which is outside of the trioval, looking mm -hmm. in, our uh, garages are the ones on the right. When you when you divide a line down the middle at the trioval, we're on the right. So those ones over there. Oh, hang on a second. It would have been sensible for me to just look at the big yellow and black awning that says Continental Tires. Yeah, yeah, and I'm paid to be observant. Okay, yes. I can see Now that. that I live in America and I have a green card, I'll even say that's even spelled the right way as well, T-I-R-E. There's, there's a case for spelling tyres that way. Spelling? But, but not <laughs> aluminium, right? Uh, Chad McCombie has joined us. Chad, welcome to Midweek Motorsport and to Radio Le Mans and indeed to IMSA.com and uh, IMSA Radio this weekend as we start officially tomorrow, although we're simulcasting there as well. Um, well, it's a big race, but you're used to big race atmospheres, aren't you? Oh yeah, absolutely. First of all, thanks for having me. And uh, oh, pleasure. It's uh, no, I you know I haven't even shared this with Declan yet, but I, I thought about it a little earlier today. This uh, this makes my tenth year in a row of coming to Daytona and, and participating, uh, wh whether it's on the on the big speedway or uh, or turning down in the infield. So feel uh, very blessed and fortunate to be that. Yeah, because you you've done a bit of stock car racing in your time, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. No, this is uh, this is still pretty new to me. I, I'm starting to get the hang of it a little bit and. Uh, 
had to had to. I, I've never turned down in the infield on purpose, you know. So <laughs> sorry, uh, so I need to put in here. This is pretty new to me. Doesn't wash. We even last year. There's a running gag in the in the holder that says he's not allowed to say that. he's the old. Oh shucks, I'm not. I'm just a an oval racer. I'm not going to. He's a stud. He's faster than anybody. I like it though. I like it. You keep playing that card, Chad. Yeah, that's, that's very yeah. good. Listen, we're at the you know we're at a place that is absolutely synonymous with stock car racing um, with the whole history of, of stock car racing um, you've, you've raced in stock cars for the, the, quite a, part, a big part of your, your career it looks very different particularly to I mean, some of our listeners and viewers it, it looks like apples and oranges or apples as we've seen early, apples and tennis rackets I mean Surely if you can drive, you can drive, though, can't you? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, what it boils down to is, is it's still four four tires in a in an engine mm-hmm. and a race car. Um, mm-hmm. it, the steering wheel's still on the same side, thank goodness. Um, but, uh, you know, other than that, you know, it, it's been, a, it, it's been a, a challenge for me at times to adapt to this style of racing. Um, I didn't do any, any sports car or any, any road course racing at all coming up, and so you, uh, all of your early career was done on ovals or short ovals and yeah. in you know some kind of regional series or something yeah, like that. Yeah, you know, I started in carts uh, on dirt. Okay. Uh, I grew up on dirt and, and, and went to uh, you know the, the minor leagues and worked my way through the, the stock car ranks up to, to the NASCAR side. And, uh, but, but this is by far the, the most different uh, you know, thing I've encountered in my career. And, uh, you know, just feel really fortunate to be paired with Mon Space and, uh, and all the guys at C.J. Wilson Racing and Mazda um, to give me this opportunity to, to have a breath of fresh air and, and come out here and learn something new. And, and that's what's been uh, been the drive over the last few years is just, you know, the challenge of learning something new and, mm-hmm. and, and learning all the different skills that it takes to, to do this. And you're driving a very, very basic motor car. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Mm-hmm. I mean that is a proper old-fashioned sports car. There's no paddle shift. There's no automatic downshift. You heal it. I presume you've had to learn to heal and tow. No, absolutely. The, the, the two biggest things was the braking threshold yeah. and, and, and learning to shift. I mean, I hadn't used a, a clutch to shift in, in quite, a, quite some time, you know, and I and, uh, didn't know there was a gear past fourth gear. So, um, <laughs> you know, we, you <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it's been fun. And, and that, once I got that figured out, um, you know, th- then I could actually start working on the technique of road racing. And, and, and there is, it's, it's, a, it's, like I said before, racing is racing, but there is a technique to this. And, uh, and it, you stay, you, you think the entire time racing at Daytona, in a stock car, you're mentally exhausted mm-hmm. uh, from all well, the drafting and stuff. But, you know, the road course stuff, you know, just about every venue we go to, you're mentally exhausted because there's so much happening. Um, Can you transfer some of these new skills then? If you were to be asked to go back and race uh, either a, a, a Sprint Cup car or a Nationwide car on a street course, sorry, or a road mm-hmm. course, would would your newfound skills help you? Would you be able to attack that differently? Or is a £3,500 Sprint Cup car always going to have different dynamics? Uh, it's going to be different, but, but there are so many things that will translate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the number one thing would just be confidence. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. c- confidence a- after doing this for, for two or three years now. Um, I'm still, and I told somebody this yesterday in the garage, I still feel... Um, it, this isn't second nature to me. When I get in a stock car and I strap in, uh, that's still somewhat second nature. You know, I, I, I can I, I can tell you where every single tire is at all the way through the lap. I know exactly what's going on. I can feel somebody on my left rear quarter or my mm-hmm. right rear quarter. Mm-hmm. And not that I can't do this here, but it's still not, you know, ju- it's just not, you know, it just doesn't click 
you know, because I've, I've done the stock cars for so long. Um, but, you know, year after year, you know, I've gotten to, uh, you know, to, to be pretty comfortable with this, and, and now I can I can start getting aggressive with it and uh, and really trying to, to make some noise on the racetrack and, and make sure that we get get on the highlight reel. He's far... In a good way. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah, very much He's so. far, far too modest to say this, but the thing that... And I'm very lucky insofar as that I get to sit in the hauler for debriefs a lot of the time and it's a very small hauler so I'm not sure how lucky I am after four sweaty racing drivers and an engineer and me and a hauler but uh, but his feedback and the, the the background in stock car racing where you were just constantly literally through a corner mm-hmm. you'd be giving feedback as mm-hmm. opposed to mm-hmm. at the end of his, uh, a, a race session it's kind of mind-blowing to me how, how on point he was from the very start in terms of I think that's one of the things that stock car racing teaches somebody is that the the feedback you get through your backside, you get to translate really fast to an engineer. I might be wrong, but that's what no, it felt no, like. Absolutely. It. No, I mean, in, in, a, in a stock car, you know, on most of these ovals, you know, it, it is very much a feel thing. Um, and I tell everybody I'm a feel driver 100%. How, how much, uh, how much um, data do you get on a stock car? Are you allowed to have on a stock car? None at a race weekend. Right. None. Now, now that has changed a little bit on the, in the Sprint Cup Series because, you know, they went to fuel injection. So, mm-hmm. so we do have a limited amount. But, uh, but in terms of you don't get, uh, you don't get corner, uh, you don't get suspension data in real time or anything like no, that? No, nothing. When, when we so go you're do a telling test. Yeah, yes. when we do a private test, uh, we have all that. And that was... You know, prior to that, uh, you know, I, it, it was all off the seat of the pants. But when we started having private tests and, and going out and, and being able to re- relate what you were feeling to the data, you know, you, you could start making some uh, some some relationships there. And, and that, that just in, enables you to, to really give even much better feedback. So mm-hmm. um, that that's what I, I feel like that, you know, no matter what, I, I can – help tune a car to, to get the most out of it and, and know exactly what I need. Um, but sometimes that's hard to find. Yeah, <laughs> no, get finding the sweet spot. And, the, and and tracks evolve. You know, tracks evolve, oval tracks evolve, uh, road circuits evolve. Have you been out this afternoon? Yeah, yeah. yeah we're, uh, we've been out a couple times with our mod space car. And, uh, you know, this is a tough place for us. Uh, you know, we, we, we just need to get out of this, this race with a, with a good solid finish and, and, and uh, error-free, and, and we'll have a good day. Um, our C.J. Wilson guys work really hard, and, and they've already made a lot of gains on the car, uh, you know, even this uh, this short session. So uh, we'll just keep working at it and uh, hopefully hopefully get a run at the championship this year or our mod space car. We, we, were, we were leading the championship uh, halfway through the year last mm-hmm. year, and uh, Lady Luck weren't really on our side. So uh, we need to cap that off this season. I will say we have a bit of a double-edged sword. Uh, Declan keeps raising his hand when I know. he wants to talk. I'm a pro, that's why. I know, what to do. I know. Uh, it's important. That. Remember that for your team meetings, Jeff. <laughs> he butts in there. He oh, I'm sure he does, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm giving them advice on handling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah raise the track bar and, uh, and reduce the pressures. Yeah, absolutely. Slacking yeah. it off at the back. Yeah. yeah. yeah add, add, add a quarter turn yeah, in the front. See, now I've got him off on a tangent. <laughs> so, <laughs> so tell me what you're going to tell me. I've got <laughs> one, the, the, the double-edged sword we have, Chad is clearly, and I can't, I can't, uh, overstate uh, how, how much of a real road racer he's turned into. He had pole uh, the first time he ever saw Circuit of the Americas, and the headline was brilliant. The Associated Press headline was "Driver who played Dale Earnhardt Jr. in film gets pole position in motor race," which is just right. completely brilliant. But uh, but the the interesting thing is the one area where we feel we have an advantage come race day with a ninety percent chance of rain on Friday mm. is obviously the fact that we have these beautifully balanced little cars. These Mazda yeah. cars are awesome. 
but that is one area that Chad would, would happily volunteer that he, he doesn't have the experience he'd like to have no, in, you know, that, that's because you never, that you never race stock cars in never, the wet never no. you know I mean it, it, if, if we have just a few sprinkles it's shut down mm-hmm. red flag we're waiting, waiting but you did out. dirt carts. You must have been moving no, I around. Did, I, did, I did dirt carts. So when, when we really get a sprinkle, we really, really stop then. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. But they the, must the, have moved around. Uh, yeah, they, they did. But, you know, what I tell everyone, and I, I actually, uh, back in 2011, the, I ran in the ARCA uh, mm-hmm. series, and I actually won on the dirt uh, in Springfield, the Allen Crow Memorial. Uh, so we, that was that was a huge event, but... A dirt cushion is much different than uh, than trying to find grip in the wet, and it's great because I, I've got an awesome awesome teammate in Stephen McAleer, and uh, he's had a tremendous Big amount. Big favorite of, on uh, this show. Oh, yeah, he's had a tremendous yeah. amount of experience in the wet, and uh, he, he's so awesome in it. He can give me pointers, and and I, I can learn so much from him. And you know, it happened to rain at Coda this past year, and, and we were we were stuck out there on slicks, and mm-hmm. uh, and <laughs> I had to learn. So yeah. I had no other choice. Survival so. of the fittest at that point. Where is your career going, Chad? You know, you, you've, you've done stock car to, you know, the level. You know, you've been part of the NASCAR program. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's not, that's not necessarily over for you. Sure. But are, are you looking towards more road racing, more sports cars? How, how do you feel your, your career is progressing? Well, you know, I mean, I, I tell everyone the same thing. I feel like to take care of the future, you take care of the present. And, and the number one thing on my mind is is, uh, is taking care of this mod space Mazda and, and getting it up front week in, week out. And the future is going to take care of itself if that's the case. Um, you know, I, I want to pursue the career in, in the sports car race, and I want to see how far I can take it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was so fortunate to, to get to the elite level in the in the stock cars um, and get to the Sprint Cup Series with, uh, with, with the Petty Enterprises that, um, you know, I, 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 that's still what I know, and, and I would jump on an opportunity to, to run a race here or there. But uh, that, that's right now that's second fiddle to what we're doing here with, with our Mod Space, ta- Mod Space team and, uh, and the Continental Tire Series. So. Thanks for making the not easy journey over here to, to find us and, <laughs> it, and speak it, to it, us. If, if you only knew, if you no, only no, knew I, what, I, what I went through to I, get I'm here. I'm on stage with a load here. of bricks. We had to drop a load of bricks onto the back and take them up to the other end of the <laughs> end. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm concerned about the ride back. <laughs> 10.30 uh, down at the C.J. Wilson trailer, which is on the infield here, uh, if you are around uh, and listening to us uh, near Daytona 106.5. Uh, we've just got the guys from Racing Radios at my feet. In fact, at the moment, the soldering iron has been out and we're getting ready to crank up 454 on the uh, on the scanner frequency as well. It is like the old days. Declan, just before you go, he wants to say... I want to just add, because I want him to tell to tell the story a little bit more. We we told the story a little bit. I went into the details of, of when you did the uh, the big event at your local short track and he qualified like 310th. Oh, no, it was yeah. it. Tell us a little bit about... Where about was this at, Chad? Yeah, no, uh, we, we run uh, a lot of lo- local late-mile stock events back in North South Carolina. I was just telling Declan how tight the competition is sometimes. You know, it, it doesn't matter who you are. I mean, it's yeah, in the stock car world, there's so much technology and, and so many good guys. You know, I, I told him, I said, you know, I've, I've been to events and qualified 80th out of 120 or something, mm-hmm. you know, and, and had to race my way up to the front when the green flag dropped. And, and uh, he, he felt like that was pretty interesting to uh, that, you know, it, it's... You know, he's not been exposed to that world, and he's like, wow. You know, th- and that's at the regional level, you yeah, know. Yeah. And, and I, I, I tell everybody, they ask me, I said, you know, are, are them guys in Sprint Cup that good? And the answer is absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the guy that you think is not on his game, 
your fish first sprint cup practice will you'll think you're flying and he'll blow your doors off yeah. you know i mean they're all there for a reason and uh, our sport has changed a lot and 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 how you move up the ranks has definitely changed a lot but um you know no matter what you can't take anything away from anyone who's uh, who's made it to the professional level it's a diff- it is a different skill set in you know the the driving of the car as you said is is very similar but the weight transfer the car through the corners the in the middle the out you're using a different almost a different language sure you'll be learning about understeer and oversteer yeah i actually used those terms today and it was kind of a light bulb went off i'm like what am hey, what am i saying I, I thought it was it was it was pushing hey loose. you'll be racing <laughs> you'll be racing in europe anytime soon yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Declan, thanks for bringing Chad up. And it's down at the hauler, as we said, at uh, half past ten on uh, on Friday, Friday morning. Okay, that's brilliant. Chad, thanks very much for joining us. Thank Johnny's going to so jump back in. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. It's Series 10, Episode 3. Fifteen minutes left of the show. Uh, Tim Gray, what do you have for us? Do we still have Nick Damon with us? Yes. We do. In that case, I'm going to do some rallying. Oh, because the World Rally Championship uh, 2015 gets underway this weekend uh, with Rally Monte Carlo. That's and a proper rally. Check the flags out, by the way. Matt Bell is going to be the uh, the fastest uh, in this session. Go on, go ahead. Proper rally. Um, and uh, the uh, fastest driver in the uh, shakedown was... Mary Latty Vatbelow. Sebastian Loeb. Sebastian Loeb. Who's he was. making a comeback? He's making a comeback. This Loeb character. Um, and uh, yes, having having done a bit of uh, world touring cars, he decided that uh, he wants to be uh, doing rallying again. He's got his own team now in rallying, hasn't he? A Citroen team, yes. Mm, yes. Very interesting. Um, Paul Trustwell has joined us. Um, hello, Paul. Hello, John. And John hello, is back Paul. with us as well. I am. I hello, am. Nick. Hello, Tim. Uh, this hello, this Paul. might be the most people we've ever it's had on a show, actually. I, 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 why not? I think it's great. We'll rattle through everybody here. Um, w- w- you were here in 2012 when we did the first 24 hours broadcast uh, from the Rolex Daytona 24. And... It left an impression on all of us, uh, and we've since done another one, although not not from here. It's great to be to be back here. Of course, there's more than a subtle change in what we're going to see at the weekend because we've got different different cars, different regulations, and different things to get our heads around. <laughs> it it really is getting our heads around, it, isn't it, John? Uh, I mean, I was I was first here in 1990, would you believe? And just occasionally, when I come here, I try and imagine a full-on LMP1 going around the banking Group C used to come here, didn't they? Group C used to come here. I mean, we used to have... Uh, I mean, the year that I first came in 1990 was, was the year of Castrol Jaguars, TWR Jaguars. Um, and we had Nissan GTPs here. We had the uh, the Toyota, the original um, Dan Gurney-run Toyotas running around mm. here. Um, in fact, the fastest ever lap round here was done by a Toyota. Um, the... Um, the All-American Racing uh, Toyota. I, s- I saw later LMP cars, LMP 900s, running round road-based oval circuits yeah. in the early 2000s. Mm. And, it, uh, and it, it's something to behold. Well, well, well absolutely. And, and the thing about Daytona is that it is such an amphitheatre. It is, um, it's a place, it's an arena. And, you, and I think Johnny was saying this earlier on. As you come into the place... You can smell the ghosts of it, and, mm. and it's, it's you know it's a great place to watch to watch motorsport. 
Um, is, they, are we going to see something fundamentally different from what we saw in 2012? I remember your comment being is, if you lose time here, it's awfully difficult to catch it back up again. It's certainly easier or it will be easier this year than it has been for a while um, because of the way that safety car uh, periods work, full course yellows work. Um, if you fall off the lead lap, it's not the end of the world. It's, I'd say it's not straightforward to get back onto the lead lap, but it's not the end of the world. The trick of this race, and the thing that makes it fascinating, is that there's an awful lot of clever work being done not in the cockpit, being done on the pit wall by people who are working out what to do, when's the right time to pit, when's the right time to stay out. Um, when you're behind the safety car, it's your responsibility to know whether you're allowed to wave by or not. Yes. Uh, now, the driver's not going to know that. The driver's going to be saying to his pit crew on the pit can wall, Can I go? Can I go? Can I go? Can I go? Mm -hmm. And it's the pit wall that then has to know that or not. So, you know, th there's a lot that the pit wall is doing, and probably more that the pit wall is doing in this race than in any other. Uh, and it's then up to them to be able to get your car onto the lead lap and knowing when the last full green is going to be yes because that's when the race is won loss it's the last full green that makes the 24 hours of daytona it's now whether that's 25 minutes or yes. whether it's two and a half hours you don't know in, in, in essence you are waiting for the you know probably the last 100 maybe last 150 miles it might even be less than that there, there was a story that was once told to me about a lady who wanted to get off the bus at the hospital and so she asked the lady next to her, which is the stop that I need to get off at? And she said, oh, it's easy. It's the one before I get off at. Mm. Now, that doesn't quite work. Yeah, because you don't know the, when she's getting off. Because by the time she gets off, you're already too late. Um, and it's a bit like last full course yellow here. Uh, you need to know when the last full course yellow is because that's when you want to have your best driver in the car. Um, and that's when you want to really be sprinting for it. And because of the way the safety car bunches everybody up, you'll find that at, as we go into that last full court period of racing, any of the people on the lead lap are in with a chance of, of winning the race. And, any, and there could be a lot of cars on the lead lap with an hour of the race remaining, John. Uh, you mentioned safety cars three times in a sentence there, and amazingly, Bo Barfield has, uh, has, has arrived, as if, as if by magic. Bo, welcome back to Radio Le Mans and to, to Midweek Motorsport. Thanks for having me. Welcome back. I to just sports came fans. by to say hello. No, well, and you then you put—I didn't know you were on the air live. I was just next door doing we, my job in race control. We've got ten minutes left of the show, and it's brilliant that you popped your head in because. We're starting IMSA Radio tomorrow. This is we're simulcasting at the moment on that. It's a new era of American sports cars. It was a learning year last year. You're you're back with us again. Looking forward to the start of the season. Absolutely. Um, you know, I took my hiatus and went and uh, uh, basically duty called me and I went elsewhere and it was a great experience. But uh, when the door opened up to come back here, I was thrilled. Um, I have a lot of. Uh, as an official, it's you have to be careful about what you call friends, and I don't mean that uh, just in a, in a perceptional way, but I do have a lot of friends in this paddock on the competitor side, in the officiating yeah. uh, side of things, and so to come back here with all the great effort that I've seen everybody put in to bring the series back together and make it one great one, I'm, I'm thrilled. When you went away to uh, single-seaters, when you went away to uh, IndyCar, did did you take some things to there that you felt helped them, and, and and have you brought some things back that you feel will 
we talk to drivers all the time, don't we? We just had Chad McCumbie in here about learning new things, refining techniques. Is it the same for officials? Absolutely. I mean, as an official, you're supposed to, uh, you're kind of supposed to know everything. And it's a lot of pressure in that regard when you get to a track and you're supposed to have answers for everything. Um, I've got great people around me. I can't say enough about uh, Paul, who I've replaced. Paul Walter is the former race director, a guy that I worked with very closely. Um, this job would be much more difficult without a guy like that around as a right-hand man that has the knowledge, that has the history, that's been here and figured a lot out. But uh, I learn every time I go to a racetrack. And for my experiences that I feel like I was able to take from my American Le Mans Series days to IndyCar, mm -hmm. and then what I was able to build on there, learn from there, and then bring back here, um, it, it's like driving. It's like being a competitor. Every year you get better, and I feel great about this year. You're a motorsport fan. Absolutely. I've been for many years. Do you have to put that on hold sometimes when you're in race control? You know, or do you, have to, do you have to somehow let that come forward? You know, it's interesting the discussions that we have within race control. There's times that you have to, um, you know, I think a big part of officiating is just removing the emotion from it. And emotion is just a huge part of what we do anyways. I mean, you can't help is. but get, uh, you, get you know, sympathetic, empathetic. We try not to. In fact, there's a jar right there. If you look through the window, it's the whoa jar. So we tend to have visitors, <laughs> and they'll come in, and they'll see something, and they say, whoa. And if you say, whoa, you have to pay. And so that part of it, you tend to get kind of numb because you'll see something that normally is exciting, but you tone it down, and you don't have that outward reaction to it. But inwardly... You're excited for someone. You're excited for what you know the fans are experiencing. So it's really just a different perspective. Do you go back home and watch the the TV, and then do you allow yourself to get? I mean, we have some great side by side racing. I know it's endurance racing, and it's not all about side by side racing. It's about tactics. It's about a lot of other things. But side by side racing happens. You get excited about it. Do you, when you look at it afterwards, do you? As a long answer to your question, I, I told Elliot just now, Elliot Forbes Robinson is a steward, a, a driver advisor for us, and I just happened to first see a LMS video. First LMS Series champion. That's, Pardon? That's the first LMS Series champion. That's a, that's a pretty Whatever. Guy, the guy. Whatever. The guy's older than anything I know, so, you know, it's good to have him around. He's a great guy. But I was just telling him that I, I to answer your question, I just saw a race two days ago pop up on Facebook that some random video somebody posted that mm -hmm. Elliot was a commentator, which happened to be a 1990 Trans Am race from Road Atlanta. And Road Atlanta is one of my favorite places. Trans Am, great series back then. So I watched it, and I'm thinking, you know, why am I sitting here watching this race? Because of what I just said. There's, You can watch the interaction, you can watch the competition, and you can take from it and apply to what I do. And um, so do I go back and watch races? It really depends I, I've really tended not to in the last several years, um, but it's, uh, it's helpful. I do at times, but as a rule, I wouldn't say every race I go home and watch. Have a great season. Good luck to the, you and to the team, because I know it's a big team effort. Same, same with us here. Good to, uh, good to have. Uh, I know there's a lot of people in the company that said they've got the band back together in race control, and they got the band back together with you guys here. So it's good to be back with uh, familiar faces, you guys especially. Thank you very much, Bo. We're all learning some new chords as well, I think. Cheers, mate. That's Bo Barfield, our race director in, uh, in IMSA and the Tudor United Sports Car Championship. A couple of minutes left on the show. Uh, back in London, Tim Gray up in Milton Keynes next to the Honda F1 factory is is Nick Damon uh, gentlemen and also we've got Paul Truswell uh, and Johnny still with us uh, as well uh, do we have a pointless press release this week Tim you were sort of musing about whether there's one that was quite pointless enough uh, 
there was something which wasn't racing related I got today, which yeah, is very pointless, but we're not going to yeah. use that. Uh, we hadn't finished our rallying uh, news. No, sorry, that was uh, too good a ch- opportunity to uh, to miss getting uh, Paul Barfield in the in the booth. Uh, and it relates to Sebastian Loeb, right? Um, because five years ago they moved uh, the French round of the World Rally Championship from Corsica, where it had been forever, to Alsace, which is where Sebastian Loeb is from. And it was very successful. And then last year, uh, Sebastian Loeb didn't take part, and nobody went to it. So Alsace has said, we don't want this anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. Find somewhere else for it. And so far, they haven't. So there's no French rally? Oh, Hooray! no, it's on the ca- it's on the calendar. Oh. It will take place at the start of October. They just don't know where. In France, presumably, somewhere. Somewhere in France. Or <laughs> French, help. French dependency overseas, maybe. Wales? You could they could have it in Wales. You, there, Mauritius exactly. car park. Mm, Somebody's got money for that. All right, um, just about it for... Also... Oh, go on. Uh, <laughs> rallying of a different kind. Uh, okay. The Dakar concluded at the weekend. Which and version? The one that allowed to call itself the Dakar. All right. Uh, the one in South America, then? One, yes. It was won by uh, Nasser Al-Atiyah. Mm-hmm. Um, Driving? A car. A car, yes, he yes, was. Yes, very good, Nick. Very good. Uh, oh, very good. Um, quick, uh, we, it we was have a Mini. A it was a Mini, you're right. Uh, Junior Alta Villiers was second in his Toyota. Former Nissan driver as well. He's, oh, dear me. And... Um, Tom Coronel uh, in the Suzuki didn't finish, but would no. have been 68th if he had. Um, quickly, a few uh, tweets that have come through, because it has been like a sliding door or a revolving door here. Uh, it's like the Marvel Avengers, <laughs> says Adrian Michael Reese. We have had the full team uh, together. A number of people from Wales saying it'll never happen, uh, mm. the circuit of Wales. Uh, and, in fact, somebody's saying, can we run it at Cardiff Airfield? It could be our... Uh, Card- Cardiff Airport it could be our Sebring apparently that's not making money either um, from people who are in th- in the know um, ask Dav- Davide Valsecchi if he regrets doing third driver role for an F1 team after winning the GP2 championship says uh, Amp Quadruple 8 mm, that's uh, interesting should have had that one late twice in two weeks says Chris Suku yes you were very late as well Chris and uh, that's just about it for this evening my thanks to Paul Truswell to Johnny Palmer to Jim Roller Joe Bradley Shea Adam Bob Barfield Greg Kramer have I missed anybody out? Declan Nick Damon I'm trying I mentioned those yeah Brian Declan Um, we didn't have Brian at the end he he decided not to come on and the best news is is Bubba is standing waiting to talk to me so we really have got the band back together Uh, it's the launch of IMSA Radio Thursday 22nd tomorrow if you're listening to this live uh, quarter past nine in the UK and then full coverage across the weekend of the Tudor United Sports Guard Championship it's all live no geo-blocking for the audio and we'll have uh, sound and vision linked together for qualifying and the whole race. Also extended coverage of the Continental Tyres Sports Car Challenge and the other support races as well. Johnny's about to go and swat up on Ferraris. Very much so. Yeah, looking forward to that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
all on Pirelli per, per, uh, easy for me to say Pirelli tyres yes. I'll practice that overnight yeah, um, but there are three classes I think as well I, I need to do a bit of work on that uh, there are some stats knocking about the website not entirely up to date so mm. hopefully that's why you you're know, here well yeah exactly my little bit of work going to uh, where the Ferraris are based in the paddock you know hopefully we can update the website together we'll see Uh, thanks to Tim Gray our executive producer and our Formula 1 correspondent Nick Damon there's no time to explain the llama is going for a drive around the Oval this programme is a Radio Show Limited production tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com